Have Issues, our show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, manga, web comics, everything else you might be reading, we're here to talk about it. Uh, as always, I am your host, Keith. And this is my Star Wars sidekick, who's always at my side, host Sway. I am here. <laughs> Hostway is f- fresh off a of Twitter ban. Yeah. <laughs> And we all know how he gets after a Twitter ban. <laughs> like, so. Just rouse me up even more, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just makes it worse when you get back. You're like, all right, bitches. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> like, and then nothing on this one. God, it really is just going hard on the other side of uh, the gender spectrum. And just like, you just really can't use any of those words. But... <laughs> Pierce Morgan equals hashtag no balls is still okay. Yeah, that's fine. The good, <laughs> news, the good news is between you tweeting that and getting back, he was punished, which is great. Yes. <laughs> I just wasn't there for the sweet moments. So it just, God, he just, they got me right before that. The sweet moment happened. Yeah. Unless I would have gone harder. I probably would have been uh, just banned from all altogether <laughs> again. It's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, so we are actually going to talk about... Uh, are the comics of the week, but I did have one thing I wanted to talk about because you guys know I don't hate DC, and when they do a good thing, I want to talk about it. And yeah. what they announced is this year for Pride, they're going to be doing a DC Pride anthology, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited. I think it's going to be very very cool. And um, on the cover, I, I didn't make a tweet about. I really wish there were more characters on this cover, but True. That's, that's where we're at. But um, so we got Batwoman, uh, Renee Montoya, Alan Scott, Apollo, and Midnight Midnighter. Excuse me. Uh, I believe that's Doctor Light, uh, the female one. Um, and then our brand new non-binary Flash, which I'm excited about. Yeah, that was cool that they were in there. Yeah, and then Ivy and Harley. So we did get an idea of the creative teams tackling each character. Mm. Uh, so that woman's going to be done by James Tinian and Trungli Nguyen. Uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn are going to be done by Enrico Tamaki, which means I have to read it. And Amy yeah. Reader. Yeah. Uh, Midnighter is going to be done by Steve Orlando and Stephen Barn, two people I love. Uh, the uh, Jess Chambers, the non-binary Flash, is going to be by Danny Lore, who is awesome, by the way, and Lisa Stirl Green. Um, or Sterl. Uh, by the way, I should point out Danny Lore is going to be on one of my favorite other podcasts, uh, Song vs. Song. Everybody check that out. Uh, <laughs> nice. so, uh, then Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and Obsidian, his son, are going to be done by Sam Johns and Klaus Jansen. Aqualad, which I didn't know he was LGBT, and that makes me happy, mm. is going to be done by Andrew Wheeler and Luciano Vecchio. And then, I'm saving the best for last, so I'll skip that one. Uh, Renee Montoya <laughs> is going to be done by Vidayala and Skylar yeah. Partridge. And Pied Piper is going to be done by Cena Grace and Ro- oh, Rose no way. and Ted Bryant. I know, right? Like, it's such a great choice. But my very favorite is, I, I, I haven't made a secret of this. I was actually a big fan of the Supergirl show. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a really great show, actually. It's not the first season. The first season was terrible. But after that, it got really, really good. And they introduced a character who's not in the comics named Dreamer, who is actually trans. Uh-huh. And it was played by a trans woman in the show. Nice. And it was it was one of my favorite parts of the show. I, I, Nicole Maines played that part great. Well, they are introducing Dreamer to the DC canon in the comics. Fuck yeah. And they're letting Nicole Maines write it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Like, this is going to be really cool. Um, 
So keep an eye out for it. They're also releasing a bunch of Pride uh, covers. And I will tell you right now, I oh, need yeah. the Yara Floor one. And I need the Nightwing one. The Yara Floor was cool. Nightwing one was a huge miss to not just like showcase the booty. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but we got a bulge. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we did get bulge, <laughs> bulge, and what was it um, leg split in midair? Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. was good. Yeah, so I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, we always like to highlight when people do good, but especially DC because we want to encourage you to do better. DC, we love you. We're just disappointed. <laughs> we expect better of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which one is Cinder Grace doing again? Uh oh my gosh. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Um, it was right after Aqualad, I think. It was after Renee Montoya. Oh, yeah. Let me see. I got Alvin Polar back up. Because one I was excited about, too. Pied Piper. Pied Piper, the, okay, cool. The Flash villain. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It was also gay in the Flash show, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, I never made a car for the Flash show. I just, I love the CW verse. I don't know why. It's so good. So, <laughs> it came to a point right. where I had to like pirate the whole thing. I was like, I'm not doing this right. <laughs> <laughs> and just keeping them in order. To like, once they did the, the Crisis crossover, which was really good, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, I think that's a good stopping spot. Yeah. Especially because I really, really liked Arrow and it was over. Right. And I was like, besides, besides Legends of Tomorrow, I can't really keep motivated watching the rest of these. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow is just hilarious. And it's the gayest show on television. It's great. <laughs> nice. Uh, like, and to the listeners, my uh, excitement towards Cena Grace is because, of course, we love uh, the uh, the comic uh, getting it together, which is fantastic. You should check yes. it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, I've ordered several things from, <laughs> from the internet from Cena Grace. Probably too many things, one would say. Worth it. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah. So let's go ahead and kick it into our comics for the week. As you guys know, we always start with our indie books. We have several indie books this week. Yep. And so several of these I'm going to blow through, uh, especially uh, the ones that have other parts. So uh, I'm going to start off with Norse Mythology number six, um, published by Dark Horse, of course. Uh, originally written by Neil Gaiman, but adapted to a comic by P. Craig Russell. Uh, letters by Galen Showman. There's only one story in this one, and it's Freya's Unusual Wedding, which is an excellent one, by the way. Mm. Um, art for this one's done by Jill Thompson. And uh, I got the Matt cover, because of course I did. Because of um, course you did. <laughs> yeah. So in this one, an ogre steals Thor's hammer and refuses to give it back. And he's like, I will marry, or I will give you the hammer back if uh, I can marry Freya. And Loki's the one doing the negotiations. He's like, all right, let me go talk to her, basically. And so I love the way Neil Gaiman writes these Norse uh, myths, which is in his book, too. He kind of like, he doesn't exactly modernize the language, but he makes it easier to digest, you know? And so, like, he's talking to Thor, and he's like, what does he want? And he's like, what's the price? And Loki says, Freya's hand in marriage. And Thor goes, just her hand? And he goes, all of her. <laughs> he wants to marry all of her. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, they tell Freya, and she's like, absolutely not. Basically. <laughs> so so they come up with a plan, which, if you guys know Norse mythology, this is one of the more famous myths. Um, they're going to dress Thor up like Freya. Mm. And so he dresses up, cross-dresses. They put all this jewelry on him. They put a veil on him so you can only see his eyes. 
and uh, they go to the wedding, and he basically is there until they can get the hammer, and then he'll like do it, you know. Uh, so there's some pretty funny moments, like they're at the feast, and Thor eats an insane amount of food and just keeps <laughs> nice. eating food, and they're like, Jesus Christ! And um, he like drinks three casks of mead by himself, <laughs> and. Um, Nobody told him to actually act like Freya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the ogre is like, I've never seen a woman eat so ravenously. And Loki, who's in the guise of a handmaiden, is like, oh, it's an obvious explanation. That's um, um, She hasn't eaten for eight days and eight nights, so keen she was to make love to her new husband. <laughs> and then she's like, it's good to see you eating again, dear. And Thor just gives her a dirty look. <laughs> like It's just great. And then he's like, wants to kiss her, and he's just like, her eyes, he's like, her eyes are so terrifying. He's like, oh, she was consumed by love for you, so she hasn't slept for eight days and eight nights. He's like, oh, well then, and all this stuff. So basically, in the end, they bring the hammer out to consecrate the, you know, the ceremony, and Thor just grabs the hammer and beats the shit out of everybody. And, Excellent. Yeah, and so it's it's basically the cross dressing scene from Final Fantasy. It's great. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's great. Uh, it ends. Uh, I don't know if this is the end of the series. Um. Because it's it is issue six, right? And and it doesn't launch into a new story, you know. It ends one. It was Most its own novel too. One. Yeah, so we'll see. If it's the end of it, it's been great. I've really enjoyed this, having you know an animated or a, a illustrated version of some of my favorite stories ever. It's been mm-hmm. Great, uh, especially done in a Neil Gaiman way. So, kudos. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Commanders in Crisis, number six. Um, now this is the one with the former presidents of superheroes. Uh, I always introduce it every, the same way every time. And remember how I sent you the, the sexy picture last time? Oh yeah. Here's the same two characters on the cover I got. I got a variant cover and they're just so fucking sexy. <laughs> like, so, um, oh yeah. man, they're so cool. Yeah. So published by image. Uh, written by Steve Orlando, uh, drawn by David Tinto. They share creator credit, by the way. Um, and colorist is Francesca Caratanuto and Francesca Vivaldi. Uh, letter by Fabio Emilia. So uh, this is starting the new arc. So we had the previous arc where empathy was killed and everything. And now they're trying to like figure out what they're going to do from here. And... Um, uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I, th- it ends with a really, really cool like, um, like uh, cliffhanger that I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Where bas- basically they reveal to the entire world, hey, we're presidents from other realities. The multiverse is real, and they've all been destroyed except this world. Like they just drop that on the whole planet, basically. <laughs> like so, like how they're going to handle that, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, it's really cool, and they they deal with the idea of like if there's no empathy, what does that mean for the way we talk to each other? Like, mm-hmm. like Prize Fighter, the the gay Superman type, is just like I've been seeing this guy, but if there's no empathy, do we not actually like each other? Are we both in it for ourselves? You know, and this right. kind of really interesting. So, um, it's been really good. I'm really enjoying it. So, um, yeah, uh, check it out. I don't want to get too much into spoilers because, again, I want you guys to read it. Um, next up, Scout's Honor, number three. Published by Aftershock. Uh, written by friend of the channel, Dave Popose. 
drawn by Luca Casalanguida, colored by Matt Mia, and lettered by Carlos Mengual. Um, so this is the one with the the Boy Scouts or the you know protectors of humanity in the uh, the post apocalyptic future. And basically, in this one, this is the trial of the eagle. And so all these all these people who are the Boy Scouts, they're all competing, and only one of them can become like an Eagle Scout, which is the highest rank you can achieve. And our hero, Kit, wants to get it because basically Kit found out a secret, and only by the access of these people can she do it. That's the short version. Um, it's really cool. So it's basically a tournament arc <laughs> where they all have to like do different challenges and stuff. And at one point... Um, She's stung with uh, Mindbreaker Venom and thrown down a well and basically has to overcome the hallucinations that she's having and climb out of the well. And so oh, that was yeah. really cool. And then it comes down to a fist fight between her and her best friend. Now, again, everybody thinks she's a guy still. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy that kissed her when he thought she was still a guy. He still does. but So it's like this really complicated thing where she's like i need to win and he's like i need to prove to my father i'm a man and like it's just this really sad story so and then um it fast forwards real quick at the end where uh we kind of address why kit wanted to win uh but i'm really 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 liking this book um i've said it before i really like david's style um and i really like the world he's building here it's kind of got like um like there's these giant uh, wasps that they have to fight that kind of give me like Hunger Games Tracker Jacker feels, especially in the books, less so the movie. Right. But, oh, those things are fucking fucked up. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Imagine that with a queen one. Ooh, yeah. Like that's as big as a car and shit. Like that's basically what they're fighting <laughs> with a bow and arrow. So, I'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's really, really good. I'm loving that book. Um, I'm going to keep getting it forever. Um, next up is Boombox. And a book that one of my biggest recommends of the past months is, and it's at that point for me, is The Last Witch, number three. Uh, written and created by Connor McCreary, illustrated by V.V. Glass, colored by Natalia Nestarenko, and lettered by Jim Campbell. Um, it's really like just an awesome animated story about a young Irish girl and witches and she has the witch mark and it really leans heavily into the the irish of it all the irish culture of it all and it's done really well one thing i really like is that like each witch has like a certain attunement to the elements certain elements and her attunement is fire like right off the bat which usually fires like the bad guy you know what i mean when you're talking about the elements right because it's so destructive but she's the good guy and it's really cool she goes to fight the water witch and you find out the Water Witch is actually the most powerful of all the witches. She's fighting her first. And the the granny that's teaching her is like, why do you think that is? And she's she's like trying to figure it out. And she realizes it's arrogance. Like the Water Witch is really arrogant. And if she had like killed all the other witches and saved her for last, she'd be prepared. But if she goes after her right away, she would underestimate her. Which I thought was really cool. That's a really Clever. cool way to do it. Yeah. So. Um, so there's a certain aspect to this when she fights people, she takes on their powers, kind of like the avatar, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so there's some avatar stuff in this, like it feels kind of avatar like, um, 
And also, it does involve when she gets her powers, she gets a runic tattoo that keeps growing all over her body, which mm. is really, really sick. So, dude, this book is great. I, I placed it up there with Wind now. Oh, no shit. I, nice. I, I like it that much. Like, it's really, really great. It does it, seem so interesting every time I look at it. Yeah, it skews a little younger than Wind, I think. Yeah. But it's still just excellent. And Connor is, I, I believe Connor is Irish born. And so, mm. like I said, there's a ton of respect for the Irish culture and the Irish people in it. So, yeah, I love it. So, great book. And I say my last solo for a number one. And that is published by Boom. And the book is called Proctor Valley Road Number One. Ooh, okay. Written by the lovely Grant Morrison and Alex Ooh. Child. Yes. <laughs> Illustrated by Naomi Franquis, uh, color by Tamara Bonvillain, and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, there is a Peach Mimoke cover for this, by the way. Oh, I can't find it, though. So. Uh, so, this is a story that's set in the 70s. But, if I'm going to compare it to anything that we've read, it's Finger Guns. Really? Um, not just not just because of the story, but because of the art as well. Oh, uh, okay. Like, like it, it kind of gives me Finger Guns vibes. I do miss Val like a lot. <laughs> yeah, me Val. too. But like, like you could, you'll see. Like, I'll send you a couple screenshots. But um, it, it has a much larger cast than Finger Guns. That was the thing. Okay. So it it feels weird. Because it's not like two people very intimate friendship. It's it's very much like an ensemble. So, um, it's not exactly like Val's art, but it, it's definitely got some feel to it. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find a good shot. Like, okay, here we go. Like here. Okay, and then like I'll do this one, I guess. So. Just to give you an oh, idea. Yeah, no, I see it. Yeah. So it's not exactly like, but, you mm. know, it's kind of like, and they're they're young kids. So here's the story. It's about four girls, and they want to go see Janis Joplin. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need to get this book. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no, it, it, it's even going to get better for you, I promise. So they're saving money to try to get tickets to go see Janis Joplin. And... um each of them is trying different ways to do it. And you, you, the first shot I sent you is the four girls. Um, so yeah. the, the, I guess the quote main character is either the blonde in the front of the girl next to her. Mm -hmm. um, the other two get introduced about halfway through the book. So, um, But basically they're trying to get money from people. And um, they go to the state fair. And there starts to be this rumor that something happened on Proctor Valley Road. Which is this area like outside of town, several miles outside of town. And all the kids are talking about it like something horrible happened. People were attacked. There's monsters. It was a bloodbath. And they're like, nobody survived. And like, well, then how did everybody know what happened? And they're like, uh, -uh. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, so they meet up with this group of dudes, these four dudes who are like, or three dudes who are like, trying to get with them basically pretty blatantly trying to get with them and um they're like hey we'll go show you proctor valley road right now 
for five dollars each. So they make the dudes pay to go with them, hmm. and they go out to Proctor Valley Road, and uh, the girl at the very back in that uh, shot, uh, I think she's supposed to be Mexican, is what the implication was. Okay, um, she's, I guess she's, she has like a really creepy monotone voice. So they have her with like a flashlight up to her face, telling ghost stories to scare the dudes. <laughs> nice. And then they're like, like, they're like, oh yeah, it's. It, it, she's like, uh, tales have grown. She's like walking. Actually, she might be native. Actually, now I think about it. Uh, but anyways, she's like walking nightmares, like a coyote that goes on two legs, not four. A demon car with eerie lights, and it's like a bull tangled up in chains and bells. It's dragged all the way from hell. And the guys are like, is this real? And they're like, yes. And, you know, basically they're like, hey, are we getting laid? And the girls are like, no. And they're like, oh, we're out of here. The dudes leave, basically. Walk off. <laughs> yeah. So so they're walking. They're walking home, the, the boys. And it's like six miles, right? And one of them's like, hey, I got to take a piss. And he walks off, you know, to go take a piss. And the other one's like, hey, what happened to you, dude? And he turns around. And that happens <laughs> so this book quickly takes a horror edge oh cool <laughs> i know right and so the girls basically get attacked by something and they run away and they go back to town and the boys are gone now they're missing no one can find them and then on the back of their vw bus is that which is for the listeners is a bunch of bloody handprints all over the back of their bus. Oh shit! Nice. So it's going to be a horror mystery. I honestly, it's horror mystery paper girls in my opinion. So um, I really, really, really liked this, and I was like, "Oh, Josue's going to love this." Book. Yeah, so, I'm into it. <laughs> and it is it is rated for mature readers? So. Oh really? I thought it was like a boom box. No, it's boom straight up boom. So yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I really, really liked it. Um, also, the variant cover I got is Chris Wild Goose, who I've missed so much. Aww. So that really helped. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Proctor Valley Road, that's a must pick up for everybody. I, 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 I personally agree. So um, that's all my independent, non-shared. What do you got? I got a few things. Whew. Stargazer finally came to an end. And oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Um, by Mad Cave. Uh, yeah, Mad Cave Studios, Stargazer uh, by Anthony Cleveland, art by Antonio Fuso, colorist by Stefano Simone, and letter by Justin Birch. I'm not going to go into full spoilers, because the trade does come out next month. Be on the lookout for it. It's quite the sci-fi story. And it's like, it's, the way it just uses colors, just to paint, like, the tone for, like, the whole setting. So I'm just, like, almost, like rebrushing i don't know it's like there's something like about the atmosphere like the way all the pages look especially when we start starts breaking into like the the space stuff uh but yeah as far as a finale to to really wrap wrap up a crazy sci-fi tale it like i don't say it does like all the tropes but at the same time it's like i can't really full-on explain without like diving into like the whole book again but it does your kind of like going around time travel without without doing it the time travel trope but they do it through memories because the big mind the, the the mind fuck of it all the, the the big antagonist here does finally like the shit does hit the fan so he's coming out it's coming after them so to kind of get away they have to go through memories but every memory that they go through 
of like this fuck what's it called it's like the mind eater or whatever the fuck um is basically gonna eat the memory too and it'll just it'll cease to exist from you so the more powerful the memory the easier it is to get away so it's kind of like that's that's where we start going into like kind of a time travel like part of it all because uh, we start hit, hitting like certain references where or these certain times where some of these characters like it's like shay where a lot of the tragic moments in her life where they got really fucked up, especially when she's been blaming like the aliens of this all of, of, of all this, but she knows that nobody's going to believe her, especially when everybody knows that her brother is quote unquote crazy because he's always read. He's always said that he's been abducted by aliens. So nobody will ever believe her, but she knows that something's been out there. And now kind of coming into like the origins of this part, it was because in this moment in the future, um, yeah, the our Promi, uh, our Prometheus, mm-hmm. our good alien. Um, he's basically been always been destined to, or just always been supposed to take care of Shay. So that night when she got in, in that car accident and her and her wife died, um, he basically was only able to, or just had enough time to just make it to her, even though he did try to make it to 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 her wife. I guess this is the only spoiler I'll say, but that that's why this whole and then she realizes realizes this whole time she's been afraid of the alien or thought that it was the alien that made the crash happen. Uh so but at the same time it's like and in that moment that the mind eater just does put sink its its teeth into her and starts like kind of doing this whole like reflecting on the, the a bunch of other memories just to kind of keep her there so he can just consume her too. And she's able to break free, but also at, at the cost of like certain memories. So it just it just ends up, ends up sucking that way. And at the end, uh, the last casualty that does have to go. I won't say it, but the last line was just very fucking beautiful. I'll, I'll just read that to close off the this book. And it's uh, we'll see each other again in the stars. I know it. And it just, and it closes off very beautifully. It's really good as far as like sci-fi tales, especially when it can be like a good heart wrenching heart wrenching story at the end. I'm so glad I hopped on the on onto this book when I did. Huge shout out to Mars because like really following her, she was like throwing this book out, and I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And as I like, books of pictures, like I fell in love with it from the first issue. So sweet, sweet book. Nice. Next one. Oh, actually, wait. Keep it with Mad Cave. I'll be really brief with this one because it was actually really good. And this one I wasn't going to get until you kind of really turned me on into it. And it sucks that you couldn't get one. But Nottingham by Magic yeah. Studios is really, it was really fun. a lot better than I thought it was, uh, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, writer Steve Hazan, uh, David Hazan, artist Shane uh, Connery Volk, colorist is Luca Romano, and letter is uh, Joe Matt uh, Hill. It's really cool, dude. It's so it's so <laughs> fucking dark. <laughs> it re- I mean, uh, so it's like it is like basically Robin Hood. I mean, it's very brutal. It is painting like the Merry Man, like killing off like a bunch of these like tax collectors, uh, a bunch of just like people who like who have like ha- like who are in in high positions. Uh, shit, there's not much I really want to spoil because like you do have to get your hands on this book. Oh, uh, I will. It's sold out. They're it's back, going back for reprints. I, I was seeing, I was just seeing it on Twitter. I was like, yeah, it's sold out here. It's sold out there. I was like, well, I mean, good for the book, but I was yeah. like, I did not think that you were not going to be able to get one. Um, I spoke with my comic people, and they said, uh, just the pre-orders alone sold them out. So, oh, nice. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's it does that tale where it's just like it's 
the merry men up to doing what they what we've always known that they do but very much like what the catch is they're painting as a sheriff of nottingham as more of the protagonist he's still he's still very fucking brutal in this <laughs> I mean, when i think of sheriff nottingham i think of the the men in tight sheriff nottingham where he where he twists where he twists his words and doesn't doesn't make a cohesive <laughs> sentences it's so fucking funny and he kind of looks like him in here he's, it's, he's very cute he's very sad it almost looks like like that but met met mesh a little bit of like the hound from game of thrones just to give like the, that sad face so you kind of feel for him but he's still very brutal when he needs to be um but anyway what i'm trying to get that it's like it's it is like the story that we know but at the same time it's like why am i really rooting for nottingham here uh it, it's probably because the very men are just coming off very brutal like on, in this book but at the same time all those times ago shit was probably brutal back back then too so Maybe we're just paint. Maybe we've just painted Robin Hood and the Merry Men in just too much of a of a, a, a in the light, you know. And maybe they were a lot more like, meaner, more of an assholes than than we kind of give them credit for. <laughs> Even though, yeah, steal from the rich and give it to the poor. That much is still true. But holy shit, did they go fucking hard? And I also like there's a mask that I guess like the Merry Men wear, and that's like the mask on the cover. I thought that was Nottingham's like like mask or something, but fuck, this is so creepy, but it's really cool. <laughs> uh, so that's it for that one. Definitely be on the lookout for it because it's really really cool. Uh, now moving on to another favorite of mine, Aftershock Comics, and that is Knock'em Dead number four. This is uh, written by Elliot Rahal. Artist is uh, Mattia Monaco Monaco. And uh, colors is Matt Milla, and letters is Taylor Esposito. This is the stand-up comedy one, right? The stand-up comic that that nice. possesses ghosts or like de- dead comedians, or he allows them to possess him so he can do better on stage because uh, he just needs that boost. Or some for some reason, the ghosts really help him deliver on stage because he he's really telling the same jokes over and over, or his, his he's deliver- delivering his material, not really just copying whoever is in his body it's just like the way they're just like delivering for him or like that confidence just works or maybe they're or maybe they're kind of possessing the crowd into liking him who knows what we do know is that having a fucking ghost in you is bad (laughs) (laughs) having at least i guess maybe having two souls in you is just bad uh because we do pick up where we left off it was where we were going to have lenny bruce it was now Lenny Bruce's turn to possess our guy, uh, Pryor. Uh, yeah, Bryce Pryor, and <laughs> and at the last second, his the 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 priest's crystal ball explodes in his face and he dies. Uh, so yeah, there's that. But in the meantime, but in that moment, the sister uh, did take all like his Bible and all his notes, so she's gonna start taking over, or at least like gonna learn how to do this possession thing going. Uh, but yeah, right now he's got Lenny Bruce and he's up on stage and he's got the, he's, he's nervous and he's able to see Lenny Bruce in the reflection and it's very creepy. It's not even like a, like a handsome dude. It's just like a ghoulish like reflection, just like, just like smoking a cigarette. It looks really cool. And what does he do? This whole book is like kind of like the spiral of like a a comedian, a, a comedian spiral into just all the wrong past. Lenny Bruce tells him to just like, hey, I got you what, what you need to do for your nerves. Take out those pills you got in your pocket and like crunch it up and then go uh, dr- drink a whiskey slowly so that when you get on stage, you can just like get another one, but then just like sip on that one on stage. And you're just like, 
uh-oh, because <laughs> he starts doing it. But then, like, you turn the page, and it, it does a really cool job of him, like, killing it. Uh, he he shows like he shows shows up on stage with like a flamethrower and he's just like burning the place down, um, and like meanwhile everybody's like laughing. It's just like because the metaphor. It's it's really it's really cool. Uh, but anyway, he, he he fucking killed. He literally burned like as a metaphor. He burned the place to the ground, um, figuratively burned burned the place to the ground. There was an agent that night, and it's like, hey, I like your stuff. How would you like to be on like basically on, on fucking Conan? And you because his sister's his manager and it's like yeah but yeah we'll do it and he's like uh maybe i should have a choice it's like no money's fucking tight and this is basically it so you need to fucking do this but because the agent kind of noticed that he was kind of still green he's like hey no problem we'll put your we'll put your episode just down in the week we'll still fly you and we'll book you a couple of shows during the week so you can just get acclimated like towards like the crowd over there and then you'll be fine for the show and then so and that's pretty much what the well where the rest of the issue is it's kind of like how he deals being like in the week there and he's still okay i mean he still does good great on stage but he's doing all the no-nos he starts he he befriends a a comedian on the on over there and he starts doing all the no-no stuff and then literally on the last night the night of or like the night before the night before he does like kind of one of the big no-nos to which it kind of rolls over into like the next night and he's just not at 100 percent Knock on the door. Hey, you're on in five. And that's a big no. Next thing we know, it cuts to his apartment and his sister's waking up or he wakes up his sister and he's basically fucking dying. His eyes are glowing and she can barely get a grasp on like what she has to do. Basically, he gives up like any sort of supernatural like ritual or something, gives him CPR. And then he just like explodes in light and he's okay now. There's a paramedics that come over, but then it's like, even there, they're like, oh shit, you seem okay, but you, I can't hear your heartbeat, but I guess that's okay for now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have a heart to heart, and he's just like, yo, I'm fucking sorry. I promise I won't do this again. And I guess he's okay, but now he, they have to go over and to like the. Basically, they have to go to Conan and be like, hey, I can't do this show. And they're Conan. Mm, I guess it's not Conan because it's like a much older guy. Let's say it's uh, Shmay Shmano. And. He just gets like all up in the gets a hissy fan, just like you really fucked me on this one. How could you do this? Like you're never gonna work in this town again. And then he gets a heart attack and he dies in the spot. So the assistant kind of doesn't believe, but does has to believe it because it's just like it does look like a natural cause of a heart attack because uh, he was very old. And then Pryor gets a bright idea, turn the page, and because that old host died, guess who's taking over for the week? <laughs> He took. I'm pretty sure he took over this fucking dude's body or the soul instead, and just dubbed Lenny Bruce and took over this one. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna take over the show now, and he's gonna kill. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure how much it's gonna kill him. And yeah, the next one's gonna be the last issue. Again, another book that's ending, but one that I very much fucking love. One that I wasn't sure in the beginning. Like the first issue was it wasn't that it was weak. It was just like the hook wasn't that deep, but it was one that I was just like still very curious about. But then, and after that, every issue just got kept getting better and better. So, Knock 'em Dead is one to definitely look out for. Nice. And then my last indie book—I I forgot to mention this one. Uh, it's by uh, Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal Elements is, um, and it's called Maiden. This one was pretty cool. It's, it's it was very much an intro book. 
Um, it's called Maiden. Story by Michelle and Bart Sears. Art by Bart Sears. Colors by uh, Peria Pilai. And letters by Bart Sears. So this so, is really, it's a number one. It's a number one. I, I guess it's a number one. Um, but with chapters one and two in it, from what I was able to collect, this is basically a comic that that uh, I guess I was received well from the um, heavy metal magazine because that's where these first uh, the first two chapters appeared on was like in those magazines. And I guess if they get well received or if, I, I don't know what the process is, but after that, if it does well enough, it gets its own um, printing press of it. So that's why I thought it was weird. That was like a chapter one and then in the middle, it just cuts into or into the next one, chapter two. And it's really two different stories, but still about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but, anyway, but not going into it, it's a very much like uh, heavy metal, um, dark type of story. Or I guess if you will, our heroine, um, the first chapter, is, man, it took me a second to really grasp it. it. I'd like read it twice and then go into like the second part and then kind of go back over to really get what was what was going on it just not that it wasn't making sense but it was just like it's just something unique it's something different and so it's called the bride uh chapter one is the dream and that's why i was like i wasn't grasping that part that, that one was on me and because i didn't know who the narrator was until the end and then it just yeah, again it makes sense once you once you read it but anyway our our heroine is just like uh just wandering in this like desolate lands it's just, everything's just like just it looks like it's post-apocalyptic but it really is, but it's called the dream. It is more like dreamscape-ish. And then almost like every step she takes, there's like a horde of zombies like coming after her. And yeah, and they look very ghoulish, obviously. And they, you think they're kind of going after her. But then as you kind of, as you're starting to understand the story, it's almost like a ritual that's happening. And it's like a bunch of souls that, have, that come together that are pretty much requesting or begging for a, like some sort of like a, a sense of revenge. And like, that's kind of like how they collectively summon the maiden. And that's, who, that, that's who she is. And then that's where she, uh, that's where we come into her present time. Or I guess like our present time as she's coming to, and she's about to be wedded off going into part two, the wedding. And it's just like, we're introduced to just like a piece of shit warlord who just re- re- honestly just gets off on like, torturing and like seizing land like but basically mainly like as long as like women and children are suffering he's okay and his bride-to-be is our maiden and it kind of cuts to at the end it's like kind of like pretty much like the whole ceremony is over and they we cut to their bed and he has like his one last like spiel and it does and then it cuts to before she even does anything and i'm pretty sure like the next one it will just be like him just like Oh, it's a whole fucking massacre of it because the cover looks sick as fuck. I kind of want to make a whole Bloodborne character based on her, but I feel like I have to be like really, really good at it because like she's like she's just wearing like a, a gown, but she has like these two like just the skinny like 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 long blades, and God, it looks so badass. So we haven't seen her in action. It's just like more her introduction of how she's summoned by like just like the souls of the innocents, and it's basically this like all the innocent souls that this warlord has probably like just like pillage to like a throw like all of his like seizing of his land so and then we get into like her setting into like getting into like the spot but the the covers it's what it's what it's what drew us in it's just like i don't know i'll just send you a picture it's just like it looks kind of like very old school like it was like an, like an old painting like oh like a gothic painting it's really cool and that is pretty much it for my indie books as i'm just sending you this nice 
than this set. Cool. Um, all right, so we do have several indie books that we share. Yes. And that's what we'll launch into next. Uh, oh, that's pretty dope. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the ones we share. The first one I want to start with is one that I recommended to you based on the issue one that it looks like you picked up issue one and also read issue two, which is Spectre Inspectors. Yes. Published by Boombox. Uh, created and written by Bowen McCurdy and Caitlin Musto. Art by Bowen McCurdy. Letters by Jim Campbell. Uh, so what did we think? <laughs> it's super adorable. It's like, I mean, it's also, I mean, like, like we're hunting ghosts, but it's just like at the same time, it's so endearing. Yeah. I love that it's a Boombox book. And at the same time, it's not... It's not so much that it was like it's it's pushing boundaries because like show, like showcasing LGBT characters, it's more like normalizing a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that's just already be normal to talk about like like the the sibling um, I forget their name but then like and then not spoiling but then we get to like the end and kind of like well whatever that means you know yeah yeah and then, but it's not it's not really like pandering in any way it's really just like normalize like just normalizing all the situations or it's normalizing a character like that yeah. And then it's it's got a cool haunting story. Yes. Um, I like where it's going with it. Um, and Gus. Gus is the, the little sibling. That's right. Yes, Gus. Who's, who's I, I'm guessing, non-binary mm-hmm. or, you know, something. So um, undecided, if you will. Uh, so, um, yeah, I really like it. And I like that it's, you know, taking place within one town. Um, I like that the, one of the main characters is possessed pretty much you know, this entire time, especially the second issue. Yeah. And it's her girlfriend. So she's torn about that too. Yeah. And this just kind of reminds me of a lot of the horror books that we're reading, but like a kid's version, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, like a kid friendly version. I really like it. The name is very kitty, you know, Spectre inspectors. That just sounds like a cartoon on Disney junior or something like that. Like, but yeah, I really, really like it. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I think the art's great. I think I compared it this might have been one of the ones I compared to like a, you know, like a Jim Henson story or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad to hear you liked it though. Yeah. No, what what I really really liked about this issue is just like, yeah, they meet the, the ghost hunters and like they meet the ghosts. And, but instead of being like, let's fight off the ghost or let's make the ghost disappear or like, or figure out the mystery, you know, it's like, I, I love that we finally actually approach a ghost and we listen to the ghost and like hear what they have to say so that they can actually pass on over instead of like us figuring it out for them. I, mm-hmm. again, like, oh fuck, it's a, it's a YA book. It's a, it's a boom box book, but they treat it so seriously. And it's like, I'm, I'm really loving this, this book too. Yeah. And just the, the cute moment of the two of them crawling into bed together. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I was like, duh. <laughs> so, uh, love this book. It's great. Um, definitely check that one out. Uh, next, I want to kick it over to Josue for this one because I read it. But, I mean, I liked it a lot. <laughs> but it's it's one of those ones that Josue can put into words better than I can, I think. Um, Luna, number two, published by Boom Studios. Uh, completely done from top to bottom by Maria Lovett. Um, so, yeah. Although there was a Merca and Dolphal cover, mm-hmm. and uh, I did not get it because I couldn't find it. So. Oh, okay. Um, so, this one, if you guys remember, was the very psychedelic cult story. Uh-huh. And we kind of left off when this new character is initiated into the cult. Uh, this one, I think, was even more psychedelic than the last one. <laughs> um 
to the point that I had to stop and start the page over because I needed to make sure I understood what was going on. Uh, so what did you think? Because I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I loved everything it did, but I, it's hard for me to express things like this. So oh, I, I know. I mean, first and foremost, I got to give it up to uh, Maria Lovett because there, there's there's a there's a lot of books out there that artists tend to uh, have approached and of doing it themselves. But damn, this one is just so fucking impressive. Like, again, because, like, the psychedelic nature of it all, there's just so many pages where it's like, fuck, and you're writing this? Like, and you're, you're, you're it's, it's just you, and it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I totally hear you. Like, the, the second half of the book of this was, like, very much of, like, I, I, honestly, I think the second half of the book, I had to, like, reread it as well. Because I had to, like, once I got all my words together, and then I had to, like, figure out how they made sense. Certain pages, I had to figure out how what panels came first, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, going into it, um, I liked it a lot uh, a lot more than the first one. I, I think this, this, this issue was going to be, like, a make or break it for me. Or if I was going like, to be unsure, the next one was going to be for, like, it was going was gonna to do it for me. But just because, like, the first one was just, like... <laughs> I don't say too sexual, but like I, I was kind of like waiting for something else to happen too, and then it's like it, it was right here, seeing like all of like the 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 cracks, if you will, in this in this cult and how it's just like it's not okay between everybody, um, and yeah, and then it's like kind of again like you think it's gonna be like one one like harmony set like harmonious setting here, and then shit like the our our main character she's like figuring out like all the little clicks and how like they're nobody's really okay with each other but then they all have like their own fucking baggage and it gets super fucking dark and you're just like shit it's almost like is this is this book almost gonna be is gonna is gonna wrap up right here um but yeah the second half of the book when she finds this book on like a history if you will yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh this is a part where i'm like okay i need a pick my panels here because holy shit there's a lot being dumped in here and of course i'm not gonna like try to like make sense of it here i'm, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get the explanation in the next issue and that's okay like uh, it, it won me over all over again and i'm willing to wait for, for the next issue and maybe for the next one because this just got weird and this is like it was like the weird factor that i was waiting for in the first one yeah I think also we got to develop some of the relationships between the other characters. Yeah. And that helped a lot to like make them stand out other than physically. Um, so I, I think that helped out a lot. I'm just so curious to see where this is going. Cause it's cult stuff makes me kind of uncomfortable to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like, Ooh, like, eh. <laughs> like the whole Manson thing still, you know, <laughs> like I was, yeah. Thing so, um, or just like the whole like the like as far as like the side characters go, like Donna, like she got pretty heavy with her, and I feel like they're all like they're most like picking on her, and it's like, oh god, I just like I feel for some of these people who are just like literally just lost souls and just got like in the wrong camp. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where it goes, and mm-hmm. the whole like, like well, I mean, we can tell we can tell the audience basically like she drank some of his blood in the first issue. And now there's a big thing about how she's, they're all addicted to his blood. Yeah. And there's an implication that there's, there might not be enough to go around. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because they're all like, some of them are going to withdrawals and they're like, it's my turn. And it's not. And then it's just like, oh, this is brutal. Like, so, yeah, we'll see. And to listeners, you think like, oh, it's just like, it's just them like 
again, figuratively, figuratively drinking the Kool-Aid. And then I was thinking that too. It was like, there's no way they're just probably still like doped up or something. And they just have to believe that. Yeah. And then again, this is where the second half of the book comes in. And then it's like, is this, is this relating to that? Cause off the bat, we just get a date or year. That's just like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just trying to make sense of it still. Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely a trip. If mm-hmm. you like a psychedelic story, this is right up your alley. Yeah, well. no, I'm on board now. Yeah. Next up, um, published by Image, number two, Deep Beyond. Uh, created by Merck Andolfo, David Goy, Andrea Brocadero, and Barbara Nascenzo. Uh, so um, this, I think... Uh, I think really kind of like the first issue was really good. And I think this issue kind of grounded me a bit mm-hmm. in a good way. Like it, the first issue was big and there was a lot. Yeah. And we we're introduced to a lot of characters. I'm like, I like all this, but if it keeps being this big, I might trail off. But this one stayed pretty grounded. It still really stayed to two storylines. Basically. It was definitely more focused. Yeah. Yeah, focus. There's a good word for it. Yeah, definitely focused. And but still really, really good. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, so this is a post-apocalyptic story, and um, we don't know a ton about the world yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, we're getting some hints. So I, I I hesitate to categorize it at all. So also I should say I did get the Merkin Dolphal cover. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I love it. I love the characters a lot. Uh, one thing I'll say, and this is just funny to me, is um, there's a scene where the main character is get, one of the main characters is getting out of the shower, and she's putting her bra on, and she's still soaking wet. And part of me was like, eh. <laughs> like, I, was like <laughs> I was like, oh, that must that feel horrible is to be soaking wet and putting a bra on. Like, I don't, I don't know why that like really emphasized with me. I was like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> like, so I was like, that sounds horrible. Um, but we do we uh, we get to see a bunch of people who live outside of the um, the colonies and like how they live and stuff, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, what did you think? Uh, no, I think I think you definitely hit on the nail uh, on the head of that one with uh, just being like a more focused story. To, I mean, focused on like to focus on some characters based on like the big op- uh, first opening. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like the setting I'm, I'm also interested in. And we're saying post-apocalyptic, but it's one that also doesn't get explored much instead of like the big wasteland or something. Um, or kind of, uh, it almost seems kind of like a little bit like low by Rick Remender, but instead of like kind of like living underwater, we still don't really know how the outside world works. But I love that we're kind of dealing with like this sense of like weird mutation slash evolution of the outside world, at least like, at least for now. Cause yeah, like the, yeah. The, the the marine monsters that that they deal with, or there's like a a, a cute little like creature on, on 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 the outside where it says like hours later on the outside of the of the facility, it's like a cute little like creature that's on the outside, a little bog monster. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious like how how it all makes sense right now. But but for now, it's like shit. We still got ten more issues like to go, and yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see how how the slow build for this one. Yeah, definitely, and meeting the characters and getting to know them. I like that. I guess what you'd consider the main character, the guy. Mm-hmm. I like that he's kind of a coward. <laughs> like, yeah, 
Like, it's fun to follow a guy like that. Like, he's not cowardly in that he's going to abandon you. He's not Shinji, but yeah. <laughs> but he's but he's definitely not going to make unnecessary risks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, he's smart like that. So I, I like following him. He's a lot of fun. So. And as far as, like, as far as uh, two issues go, uh, there's a death at the end of the issue, and you actually feel it. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I guess like right. you, you, you didn't want that. You didn't want that like that person to go, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. So I guess like the book is working. And you're like, I just met that person. Yeah, but, but I didn't want them to die. <laughs> like, so. yeah, that 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 did surprise me too. Actually, it's a good call. Like, so yeah. All right, moving on to one I know Josue cannot wait to talk about. Oof. Published by Image. Number four. Yes. Homesick Pilots. Written by Dan Waters. Yes. Drawn by Casper Wingard. Letter by Aditya Bidikar. And I think Casper does the coloring himself. So yeah. <laughs> I think he always gets dubbed every single time. <laughs> it's because of the layout of the page. It's like, it's traditional, but it, like, I, I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a pretty big development in this issue. Mm-hmm. So for you guys, do you don't remember this one? This is the one with the haunted house. The girl's charged with getting all the ghosts back into the house. And uh, it's the, she's a member of, punk, of a punk band. Uh, so yeah, it's the one we talk about that will sometimes just go on a rant about punk rant in the middle of a horror story, which we absolutely <laughs> love. So, um, well, she's out and she's in a bad situation. And suddenly... She gets back up. And <laughs> I kind of like this in a, like, how do I put it? Like, okay, so Buzz, her buddy Buzz, I, from one together, made a deal with the house to try to save her. Mm-hmm. And he's given, like, an awesome rock exoskeleton. Yeah. And go, goes to help her. So it's cool because this gives it almost a superhero vibe. Yeah, this one was like, very action oriented. Like we're building a superhero team of ghost hunters, <laughs> which I'm like, a part of me was like, oh, that's weird. And then I was like, no, that's actually awesome. I really like that <laughs> idea. <laughs> like I was, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if these genres mix. And then a page later, I'm like, fuck yes and part, page later i was like oh what's their what's their buddy gonna get what's his powers like and i was like <laughs> looking forward to it so yeah i really like it i love 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 the visual of the demon they're fighting which is a vhs tape yeah and all the tape coming out and forming and wrapping around things like just so great dude and we find out that the horseshoe ghost the first one she got back it is the man that the home is named after at least we think it is mm-hmm and we find out that he's been lying to them. She doesn't know that he killed the other, the punk team, the other uh, punk band. Um, so it's just kind of interesting here. So what did you think? The nuclear bastards. Have, That's what they're Nuclear bastards, thank you. What did you think? I know you have opinions. I mean, honestly, I was I was still kind of like expecting like the, like the mystery or like what, what ghost are we going to follow here. But the fact that it was just like just action packed, it was just like it came out of nowhere, but it was... It wasn't displeasing. It was just like, fuck yeah, let's go on this ride for a second. Uh, yeah. If anything, if, if it'll develop out of here, like, like off of this, and we get more of this like later with like a more sense of control, that'd be really fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting where it was going, but god damn it, it was just still so badass. Yeah, definitely. Um, also on the cover, I think it's curious that we have the nuclear symbol. Right. 
with the nuclear bastards being killed, you know? Like, that's true. I'm kind of like, huh, like, that's interesting. So I think that's going to be an important aspect of it, so... I'm just um, I'm, I'm realizing that that's, that they're slowly adding shit to like the back because like that, that's why I, I I knew they said it uh, uh, during the issue, but I was I was referred like to the back of the issue because it just sprayed on there uh, nuclear bastards and it says R.I.P. Yeah, but now there's a sticker added dead end video. I'm pretty sure it's reference to like the fucking demon that they fight. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, also, I love when she activates her power. She's basically going Super Saiyan. Yeah, there's like a ne- negative, a, a negative effect. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. But and I really like her monologue at the end. Mm-hmm. The thing about you know her first boyfriend and oh god, fuck! Yeah. I was kind of like, whoa, okay, let's go. So um, I'm loving this book, guys. It's great. It's totally, it's, it's just it's one of the best indie books out there. Oh, for sure. So yeah, there's just so much and, fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great combination of action, superhero, horror, and also pretentious music conversations. Which, <laughs> yes, which we're all about. So, <laughs> awesome. All right, last indie book, not counting Vault. We got a number one. Yes, published by Image Comics. This comic is called Carmen with a K. Mm-hmm. Story and art by Gillum March. I guess, and lettering does chromatic. It is chromatic. Okay. Oh, it looks like Tony does the Tony Lopez does coloring. Uh, so, uh, I got the variant cover. I saw. I, I almost got that one too, but I wanted the cover A, and it was literally like the last one I saw at the second store. They didn't have any books with pictures. I had to go to Excalibur, and then I had to get the one um, off of the wall because then like the little stack of like to get like the, all the other ones. It was the blank cover and the variant that you got. Yeah. So the variant, it's got her cute little naked butt. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's cool to have a little nudity. Yeah. And then I read the comic book. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give my opinion straight up on this. This is a great book, guys. Nice. You liked it. It, it blew my mind. <laughs> it was. It, uh, there's a sense of dread throughout this entire issue. Mm-hmm. I just hung on my shoulders <laughs> in the most delightful way. Yeah. Like, it's just so good. So basically, we're following a young woman, and it starts off in her childhood, and you know her with her best friend Zisco, uh, and it, they end up getting a relationship. It follows her up into college and all this stuff, and they're having these problems. And then uh, she calls her boyfriend, and like he doesn't answer, and like there's this whole thing. And you're like, oh, this is going to be one of those stories, you know, like, oh, it's getting together. We're going to have a romantic problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, So we cut to her apartment complex and there's a woman. How do you even explain the outfit? She's not dressed as a skeleton. (laughs) But it's like a one one piece, like a like a bodysuit of a skeletal piece. It's like you can see her skeleton. Is what it is. Oh, if it does but, that effect too. But the reason but why I say black outline, well, because look at her, look at the heels. I was gonna say like the reason why I say bodysuit is because of the heels. Yeah. So, and she's obviously got some kind of mystic power. Um, she she walks past the old lady and basically tells her to go back in her apartment. And she does that. That one I had to go again. Like so many books I had to go over again because like at first like it's like she's talking to her because the old lady doesn't say anything back to her. It's like oh I guess 
well, I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice. But it's, it's not until what you get revealed later that you go back. It's like, oh, shit, she didn't realize she was there. Yeah. So she walks up into the apartment, and Catalina's na- or roommate just doesn't see her. And the girl's just, like, quipping the whole time, talking about how they don't dust. And then she busts up in the bathroom, and our main character is on the toilet, completely nude, bleeding from the wrists. Mm-hmm. And her eyes are all raccooned out, and she looks terrible. And there's blood all over the floor. And the girl starts having a conversation with her, being like, hey, you know, I'm in the right place. And, the, and uh, our main character is just like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing here? And she's just like, she helps her wrap up her wounds on her wrist with bandages. And then she's like, she's still sitting there naked. By the way, she's naked this entire issue, guys. Yeah. Um, so that's the funny part of when I was like, oh, a little bit of nudity. That's cool. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, she's basically, hey, let's you know, let's go outside, let's let's walk around together, and it's got this really unique feel to it, very trippy. And she's like, you know, I I, I I'm naked, I can't do it, and she's like, no, no, and like, and then uh, Catalina realizes, she, or Katarina, or it's Catalina, realizes she can't touch anything, she can't reach up, she can't pick up her phone, she can't grab a towel. And the girl's like, oh, don't worry about it. She's trying to be, like, as casual as possible about this. Don't worry about that. That's fine. And then um, Catalina's like, where'd all this blood come from? She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. And it's just weighing down on me, just sitting on my shoulders the entire time I'm <laughs> watching it. And they go out of the bathroom, and they're walking out. And then as they're walking out, you see Catalina's body, presumably, in a bathtub full of blood. Yeah. And I'm like, Fuck. This is intense. And so she goes for a walk outside, and she's completely nude, but no one can see her. And, like, basically, this girl is telling her, hey, let's, you know, let's have fun. And shows her, like, we can walk around. We can, she even teaches her how to fly. And she's like, look, you can fly now and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. And the questions aren't being asked. And I'm like, ask the question so I know what's happening. <laughs> and so she's like flying around and stuff. And then um, she she's like, uh, I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. And it ends with the other character being like, that's because you don't know how much time you have left, honey. Mm-hmm. Joel, it while I go take care of another problem. Fuck. <laughs> like, this is just so intense. The art was absolutely beautiful. Oh, totally. Like from beginning to end, this was a beautiful book. Um, but yeah, man, it was emotional. I had to stop for reading comics after this one for a bit. Oh, really? I had to walk off, get a drink because I was like, Jesus! Like this was definitely it, the heaviest book out of the week. And it gave me vibes of Sandman when Death would, you know, collect somebody. Yes, or even like when when they when she went over to the 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 one DC character, uh, the the woman that that was coming with like on. Not house arrest, but like on on the witness protection program. She had like the different colored body parts, mm-hmm. um, and then Death like kind of goes over to her and she's like, "Oh, like because she had like that scene where like her like witness protection program like her contact wasn't answering like the, the phone call and she's like, "Oh shit, this is it! Like nobody loves me." And then Death shows up and have has like appreciate or like appreciate life while accepting her death. 
or at least like wanting her death because like i think she couldn't die either um but death is there so obviously she could um and it is like very beautifully because like she accepts her death um because kind of what she always wanted because she can't she couldn't even live a normal life and then it ends with like the her contact actually kind of reaching out to call it to like for to reach out to her you know so it's kind of like a bittersweet ending it's like it kind of reminded me of this part of this issue yeah definitely it's just man it's heavy it's really good guys though check it out if you can yeah Uh, absolutely great uh very european oh totally Uh, i got a european comic vibe from it i I think he i think he is spanish i would say so yeah but like done in that european comic style and yeah definitely bringing that vibe like all the way over here yeah absolutely great though so Mm -hmm. high recommend next up we have a couple vault books this week yes I'm going to flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Because to, be, to be honest, I really want to talk with both of them. I, I usually put them in order of what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, or I put number ones at the end or whatever. But yeah, we're going to talk about Tom Null first. Cool. Okay. A Tom Null, number five. Obviously published by Vault. Written by Daniel Krauss. Drawn by Chris Sheehan. Colored by Jason Wordy. Letter by Jim Campbell. This is my favorite issue of this so far. Oh, nice. I'll start there. Um, the last issue was my previous favorite issue. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot about this book that each issue becomes my new favorite. <laughs> um, how do I talk about this without straight up telling you what happens? <laughs> like, It's so good. I love the main character. Like, she's one of my... of of. Of non superhero books going along, going out right now, yeah, she's one of my favorite main characters. Absolutely, like top three at least. And I absolutely love her boyfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love that character. So basically, this is the the horror book that's set in the small town, um, and with the the leaves, you know, like they're, which is they're not they're not more apparent, but now that they're there or just around in the panel. It adds the creep factor. Yeah. But they're just leaves. <laughs> they're just leaves. But then when you see the leaves walking, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, dude. So what we find out is last issue, we found out about this legend of this woman who requires the sacrifice of a child every solstice. And apparently our main character was the child that was chosen when she was a child and her mother who we've learned to hate because she's a bad person apparently actually saved her daughter by sending her away yeah and the spirit has never really forgiven it and we find out in the last issue there was a fire at a skating rink right mm-hmm. roller rink yeah and it killed like eight kids and horribly scarred another and all this and we find out it was her acting out for not getting a hold of our main character and now our main character is an adult, and she's there with her daughter. And it's a really haunting last shot of her realizing what's going on, standing in the doorway and looking at her daughter laying in bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Christ, dude. And of course, in the background, there's a tree, like branches, just coming from off camera. And just like, right. <laughs> I, was trying to look, I was trying to look for like, the leaves, but it's like, ah, oh, fuck, it's like the branches. Like it, It's just those. Yeah, because the branches are all falling off because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's turning to winter. So, God, this book, man. 
Man, like I, it's so good. When they started having sex next to the leaves, it was like, ew, they're watching. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was kind of like, this is such a horror trope, and I love it. Right. Like, and just, also, it was really sexy. It was, really it, it was but yeah. it was like, <laughs> the leaves. But now that I know that the leaves linger, it's just like, no. It's taking <laughs> away the cool part of it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just great. I just loved it. I, I don't want to talk too many details. I know, just, no, it's for sure. It's, it's getting all to like the good bits. Yeah. So Vault, just know you're doing a good job and keep doing it. Excellent That's job. We'll <laughs> all right, move on. Josue. Yes. It has returned. It has returned. <laughs> Published by Vault. Vampire the Masquerade number six. God, and not even like a a, a, a slow start. Like let's, let's bring this over. Let's rally, catch everybody up again. Fuck no! It's such a great issue, dude. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, the main story written by Tim Seeley, drawn by Devmalia Promenick. Uh, and then the backup story at the end is written by Teeny and Blake Howard, drawn by Nathan Gooden. Both were colored by Addison Duke and lettered by Anvold. Um, so there was a break between issue five and issue six, right? Mm-hmm. And five la- wrapped up the first arc. And about a week and a half ago, I was sitting there being like, uh, cause I actually found the David Matt cover for issue four. Oh, cool. Uh, which is the only one I was missing. So I now have the Dave Matt cover for all of them. Nice. Um, and I, I was putting it away in my box, and I was like, were these as good as I really thought? <laughs> and I was like, was I just on a high of loving that it existed? <laughs> and I was like, huh. And I thought about busting them back out and reading them. I'm like, nah, no, nah, I'm sure they were fine. And then issue six came out, mm. and I was like, fuck, this is good. <laughs> like, I was just, <laughs> Like, it's just so fucking good. Like, I actually, after I read this, I had a moment of, I want to play Vampire the Masquerade. I will be the game master. We can live stream that. Oh, my God. And I was like, we that'd be so much fun. And I was, and this really made me want to do it. So we get a lot more details about Cecily Bain. I want to be Cecily Bain so bad, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if, if I didn't absolutely adore Cecily Bain before, I do now. Like, she's so good. And also, I mean, her ward, we're learning a lot about her, and mm-hmm. she's really great too. And I like Calder. Like, Calder went to the guy that's the, now going to be the prince, you know, that yeah. took over. He's so slimy in a Loki kind of way, and I love it. Like, I just, God. And I'm really starting to care about these characters. Before, it was a cool story. Now it's characters I I care about, and I want to see happy things happen to. (laughs) But but it's vampire. But it's, it's, this is being a vampire, as Cecily would say. So Yes, excellent. Love it. And so, she goes and gets attacked by a hunter. But little does the hunter know that was the whole point of her being there. <laughs> uh, she was trying to draw out a hunter. Uh, there's a part where the hunter stakes her through her cheeks. Dude, yes. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Like, looked brutal. And then she basically interrogates her and is like, I'll make you to a ghoul unless you answer my questions. <laughs> and, and then we found out kind of like who's probably going to be the next big bad. Um, so it's a guy who is a vampire hunter. And he was a mortician. And now he uses, like, a hammer to, like, rip open your head and scoop your brains out to kill vampires. Yeah. 
So it's really cool. And I'm like, okay, that's a fucking interesting background. And then she's like, like the, the hunter tells her about it, you know, and she's like, that's part of the deal and everything. And she's like, I told you what I know. So let me go. Like you said, she's like, oh yeah, sure. Except you wasted my time. And <laughs> Cecily just rips her throat out in a brutal, brutal full page shot. It's a great fucking page. It's so good, dude. Well, I just, I just love when her face just goes full vampire. It's yeah. like the intensity, like it's God. It's like her true form. Also, she talks about, like she's in a when she's going to the club. She's re- reminiscing of like when she used to go to the club back in the day when it was like a punk club. Yeah, and I, th- I thought of you, dude. <laughs> so, I know. Like I would, I would love to be in that in that setting. Yeah, and then we, um, uh, as always, we get the backup story. Yes. Which is uh, the Anarch Tales, where we're learning about the Anarchs that are out there. And these are all Cecily's old friends, from what I gathered. Um, uh, so this one is uh, sticking around uh, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mitch, it doesn't say it, but I pretty much guarantee Mitch is a gangrel um, as far as uh, the clans go. Because at least when I played, Gangrel were the only ones that could change shape into animals. Oh, okay. Um, so he's able to like hunt as a dog and stuff, and it's really cool. So he's hunting down a deer as a dog. But then the last page is just so Oops, good. Yeah. <laughs> he runs afoul a werewolf. Yeah. And it looks fucking brutal and amazing. So. <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm really, really enjoying this. I'm so glad it's fucking back, dude. I didn't, I didn't know how much I missed it until I was like looking at the, the solicits for, for this week. And I was yeah. like, oh shit, fuck yeah, it's, it's back. I didn't know how much I missed it until I just holding it in my hand. And it's like, every pay, every patient was just like, yes, yes, god damn it, I missed this. I love this book. Yeah. And then there's an advertisement at the end for the for the graphic novel, which includes role-playing supplements. That is the best part. Yeah, and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so good. Like, they make like, it so easy just so we can play. I know. I'm very, very tempted. We might be doing that eventually. <laughs> so, it's how goth I feel. Uh, so, um, that's my indies. Any other indies that we missed? Um, yeah, no, those are those are my indies too. Cool. We have one DC book, and I have it. So, <laughs> um, coming out of Future State, I'm trying to be a little more open-minded with DC. But for the most part, this week's selections didn't wow me. I'm not a Joker fan, so I'm not picking up Joker. And Wonder Woman looked okay, but I'm like, I'm not going to commit to two Wonder Woman books. Yeah. You know? Especially because I know I'm going to get Wonder Girl when it starts. So. That one for sure. And I, I was I was hoping Stephanie, uh, Stephanie Phillips was going to stay on board. Yeah. But I did pick up Batman Urban Legends. Okay. Now, this is an anthology book. It's got four stories in it, and it's double-sized. So this is one of those seven ninety nine books. Seven ninety nine is even more expensive than the Future State books. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so thick. It, it's so thick. It has a um, it has a spine. Oh no shit! Okay, cool. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, it's basically a thin graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So. so it's four stories here, and I'm just gonna run through the creative teams real quick before I even get started. First one, Red Hood and Batman, is written by Chip Zdarsky. Nice. Uh, Drawn by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira. Also, Marcus Toe contributes to the art. Uh, Adriana Lucas does colors, and Becca Carey does lettering. 
Second story, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, which I think is a one-shot, by the way, is Stephanie Phillips written, Laura Braga drawn, Ivan Placencia colored, and Darren Bennett lettered. Uh, the Outsiders is written by Brandon Thomas, drawn by Max Dunbar, colored by Luis Guerrero, and lettered by Steve Wands. And then finally, The Grifter Story is written by the wonderful Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Ryan Benjamin, colored by Antonio Fabella, and lettered by Sadia Temafonte. Um, I did pick up a variant cover, which is a David Finch and Timo Mori variant cover, because it's got Red Hood on it, and it's great. So... Um, I'm very glad I picked this up because I love Grifter. We've talked about that. I, I, I genuinely like The Outsiders. Um, I think when they do The Outsiders right, it's a really cool story. And I, as you know, I'm not as big of a Red Hood fan as Liz, but I do love me some Jason Todd. So this is kind of a Red Hood story that needed to be told for a very long time. And I'm very excited that it exists. Um, Basically, Jason's in Gotham, and he's trying to hunt down the people that are doing, that are selling this new drug, right? And um, he basically, uh, he's chasing down a dealer, and he shoots him uh, with rubber bullets, because Jason's, you know, a gun guy. And he says, rubber bullets, so that the fear doesn't get turned around on me. It's my compromise to work in Gotham, my only compromise. Right? Just so, rubber bullets? That's that's cool. Yeah. That's funny. And so basically he stops this guy. So the new drug is called Cheer Drops. And it's basically the scarecrow's gas, but it makes you happy instead. Like deliriously happy. And so you're not noticing you're walking into traffic or walking off the side of a building. Ooh, and things like okay. That. So it also flashes back to Jason as Robin, as a little kid, mm. quite a bit. So um, basically you find out that him and Bruce are on the same case, but coming from different directions. So um, Jason is like trying to find the, the person that did this and Oracle helps him like narrow down where, where the drugs came from. And then you see Bruce talking to Oracle, and he's like, yeah, I'm investigating Cheerdrop. She's like, uh, <laughs> Jason's already on that case. like, And he's like, <sighs> so basically they're coming at it from different directions. And there's a really great story here where Jason finds basically a place where this drug's being sold. It's an apartment building. And he finds a woman in a coma from taking the drug too much. Ooh. And her young son. And the kid's crying, and Jason's, like, genuinely upset seeing the kid. He's like, I'm not here to hurt you. He takes his mask off. He's like, is this your mom? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, he calls in, like, the medics, and he's like, hey. And then um, J- Jason's inner monologue reminds us of something great. His mom died of a drug overdose. Oh. And so you're like, oh, because Jason is from the wrong side of the tracks in Gotham. That's one of his core things that makes him different than all the other Robins. Yeah. He was poor. <laughs> so he's like, do you have a dad? He's like, my dad's at work. And he's like, do you know his name? It's Andy, you know? And then, so that's what, that's when Oracle, you know, traces the number and tells him where it is. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to take the kid to the dad. Right. And so they're doing that. Batman's coming from the opposite direction. But honestly, the Batman part does not matter. Uh, so <clears throat> during one of the cuts or one of the flashbacks, um, 
there's a conversation between Batman and Alfred. And it's the conversation, if you're a Jason Todd fan, this is a conversation that should have happened a long time ago. Oh, shit. Batman says, it's him, Alfred. I don't know how, but Jason is alive. And with his training, I need to prepare for a fight. So this is back when Jason came back. Yeah. And Alfred said, sir, is that entirely necessary? He's he's your son. Yeah. And Bruce says, "He, yes, he is, but I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know. And Alfred says, with all due respect, sir, you do. We both know Jason, his anger. We also know his adoration of you. Not the how of it, but you and I know what he's thinking. He idolized you, Mr. Bruce, and you let him down. Yeah. We let him down. Dude, I'm getting fucking chills. Just uh. He was an orphan. We put him in harm's way, and he was murdered by the Joker. The man you kept capturing, mm-hmm. the man who kept getting free, who continued to kill again and again. We've let Jason down, sir. That's what's happened to his poor mind. Yeah. Bruce Bruce Wayne needs to save him instead of Batman trying to fight him. Dude, fuck yeah. God damn it. Was, it was so good, dude. And then Bruce like looks at the mask, and he's like, maybe. But he's killing pre- people out from Batman. <laughs> him. I'm like, fuck you, Bruce. <laughs> like, I you're hate the you, Bruce. <laughs> I hate you. Dude, I'm like, so, I like wiping a tear. It's like, that was I know, beautiful. I was genuinely emotional. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, so uh, Jason takes the kid to find his dad. Turns out the dad works at the warehouse that makes the drug. Mm-hmm. So he's like, shit. So he takes his little new red mask, the one that goes around his mouth off. And puts it on the kid, and he's like, hey, this will protect you. And he's like, if anything happens, just say, Oracle, I need help. Aw. And then he go, and the kid's like, he goes, and he goes, you got that? And he goes, yeah. He goes, now what's your superhero name? And the kid's looking at him, he's like, what's your superhero name? He's like, the Red Hood. He's like, then mine's the Blue Hood. Aww. I like blue. And then just has this dumb little smile on his face, and it's so cute. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. And then they come, and like... He busts he busts in and everything, and he meets he meets the dad. This is the key to it, right? Um, he meets the dad, is and basically busts up the whole drug operation, but is chasing the dad down. Shoots him with the rubber bullets. The guy goes down, and he goes, "Rubber bullets, you live." He's like, "You, Andy?" He goes, "What's it to you?" He's like, "I'm here with Tyler, your son. His mom is in a coma from the drug. I came here because I didn't want him ended up with the state, but I guess that's what's going to happen now." And the dad says, "Who gives a shit?" Ah. Uh. And Jason says, what? He goes, you heard me. The kid was a pain in the ass, him and his fucking mother. I honestly don't give a shit if he lives or dies. Kid was a whiny bitch. Even when I gave him some of my supply to keep him happy. Oh. He said, both of those leeches can go to, and Jason shoots him in the chest. (laughs) And it's from point blank rage. It's very visibly those impact and go in. Oh, yeah. And then Jason's like, oh, God, what have I done? Fuck that guy. Dude, it's so good. Like, I was so blown away by this. Chip did such a great job. Oh, no shit. Chip Red Hood book now. So, <laughs> so great. But this is going to be a five-part story. Okay. No, no, six-part six story. Uh, now, the Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy one is a one-shot. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool. I, I actually enjoyed it. It's about the two of them. Basically, Ivy wants to put together a greenhouse and... Harley's like, why don't you just wave your fingers and make everything grow? And, you know, Ivy's like, some things you should work for, basically. Mm. And this is Harley with a small plant that Ivy gave her, and she's basically in an abandoned house, and she's going to try to grow it by herself because Ivy's gone. So it's just really interesting. I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, The second story, the Outsiders one, 
was about Black Lightning and Katana and Metamorpho. Uh, not a lot of information about what's happening, but it was cool. Lots of action, so hmm. really dug that. And the last one was Grifter. Grifter is now the bodyguard of Lucius Fox, and uh, I, it's funny because everything I read of Matthew Rosenberg, it makes me remember how much I love Hawkeye Freefall and how much I wanted to come back. <laughs> so uh, very much that. Grifter is very much the Hawkeye. And it's about him, you know, being Lucius Fox's bodyguard, but also pretty bad at it, like <laughs> in a good way. Um, and uh, Bruce gets involved, and he doesn't trust Grifter in this whole thing. And yeah, uh, and Grifter might be playing both sides. There's a couple jokes of being like, "Why don't you trust me?" And they're like, "Your code name is Grifter." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was pretty great. So. Yeah, really, really good, but worth it for the Jason Todd story alone. Yeah, hell yes. Like, yeah, dude, dude, it was. Like, because me and Liz would get so angry about how, like, when you did when they did Under the Red Hood, mm-hmm. and they tried to make Jason out to be the bad guy, like, fuck you, he should have killed the Joker by now. Yeah. I just sent, I just sent you the cover I got for the series, by the way. Yeah, let me book, see. It's a Red Hood cover, so. Um, but yeah. Oh, that, oh, I did see this one. This one is dope. I love that costume, dude. It's it is really cool. cool. But yeah. So, I uh, highly recommend that. I was very pleasantly surprised, and I'll definitely be picking this up as long as Jason is in the book. So, <laughs> um, That's all my DC. You didn't have any DC? Uh, no. Okay, we're going to launch into Marvel. Marvel. We each, have, we each have one solo Marvel. I will actually let you start, because um, I've been talking a while, so. Yeah, uh, cool. So, I just had the one, my one solo Marvel book, and that's uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. Issue 61, Legacy 862, by the wonderful Nick Spencer. And this was actually drawn by Patrick Gleason, one of the, what are they called? Stormbreakers? Yeah, Stormbreaker artist for Marvel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, colors, yeah, Edgar Deglato, and letters, Joe Caramango. So, whew, we've had quite a bit of a few events with Peter Parker, <laughs> Uh, with Last Remains, and then the one with that, yeah, the one before that was fucking Sin Eater, and everything has, has or, having to do with Kindred. Whew. We're off to a fresh, uh, a fresh start with a new arc, and it's really nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see, where were we at? It was funny because I read this one. I read this one. I read this one after Daredevil, so that, it's like it's funny when you have like that Kingpin over there that like, I really love. And then you have Kingpin over in Spider Man, and he's still he's still very much up to no good. <laughs> Remember that great scene in, in Daredevil when uh, Kingpin? Oh, 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 we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to spoil that one right now, but, but from before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Oh yeah. That great scene that Kingpin gathers up all the all the mobsters, and you're like, and he was like, "Fuck y'all, I'm doing my thing because <laughs> I'm seeing yeah. bigger and better things." Well, it literally opens up with Kingpin with said a bunch of mafias like, being like. We're piecing New York. <laughs> so, what, what, what he really wants to do is that um, he pretty much got all the mobsters to be like, "Hey, I need your, I need your help for like one last. I mean, not one last job, but you basically need to do anything I, I, I want. So, go out and kill, find, and bring me uh, Boomerang because he's still pretty much like causing him trouble just because he's hanging out with Spider Man. He still wants a Lifeline tablet." And for some fucking reason, Boomerang is, like, the only one that knows or he's linked to where all the pieces are. So, uh, at the very least, thank God he's friends with Spider-Man. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're piecing it together. They're, they're still they're still uh, fucking... Um, they still have Gog as a pet, and it's very adorable. 
because uh, because he has his own Insta- Instagram account. Yes, uh, funds are very much low, and Boomerang was able to convince Peter Parker, since he's a photographer and the smart one and the fucking pushover one, he's the one managing the Instagram account of Gog, which is very financially successful, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, moving on, uh, another part of Peter, Peter Parker's life, is that he does end up picking up a job at um, what the fuck is it called? Threats and Menaces. Since the podcast was was so good, uh, JJ invited him one more time for another job, uh, and this time, since I mean, since he's fucking broke, uh, and they kind of know each other now at this point, very intimately on who well, who Spider Man is. JJ is able to supply him with a new suit. It's actually pretty cool. I mean, it's nothing new revolutionary. Uh, if anything, I would love to rock the suit in the next Spider-Man game. It's really cool. Uh, is it the white one that we've been seeing? It's like that that white blue one with like with like the yellow visors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's that one. He's finally donning it. Uh, so that that's where the suit came from. It's through JJ's finances. Somehow he's able to develop the suit. Is able to make him with some upgrades. Is able to make him stronger, faster, and like the part that I thought was pretty cool. Is that they would, um, uh, not to mention the all wearable, all the wearable surveillance tech that's aug- to augment the famous Spidey sense. So he's, he's actually able to see where the danger is coming from instead of just like feeling and just like making like a weird flip to dodge that way. Maybe he can make a better decision of dodging a better a better way out of the way since he can actually see where it's coming from now instead of just kind of guessing. And I guess new web shooters. <laughs> Now the best part about this is that since he's kind of working for him, like the cool thing, the, so the, what the suit's about though, it's like it's not just like to get giving uh, Spider-Man all these upgrades. It's also because it is part of a job. Honestly, I would sign, I would sign up to this shit in a fucking heartbeat. It's basically to give like augmented reality or the VR people or even for just like displaying on your phone what it would be like to like like to see like, have a Spider-Man POV as he's fighting around or yeah like swinging around or or fighting about like like any fucking crime peter's kind of like well that's kind of a huge invasion invasion of my privacy or i mean of Spider-Man's privacy uh based on like my identity and anything that could leak out and he's like no no it's pretty much safe state of the art only two people can pretty much like get access to this and a spider-man and pretty much and jj so it's kind of like still kind of like weird about it but it's a job and peter parker needs it uh and here's where and and here's where it kind of goes uh kind of off the walls and where he might not want this anymore uh he finds a bank robbery that has hydro shocker um what the fuck does he call him like a fast dude like it's a fast man and then it's a set of four. I'm trying to block the name. I'm trying to find the names. But anyway, as he's fighting them, people are actually like signing up and we're actually loving this. And JJ is the man on the chair, which is a position he's always wanted, apparently. And he's Spider-Man's man on the chair. And after a while, he goes, don't forget your one-liners. Huh? Your one-liners. The audience, the audience submits them for you for you to read them in fights. Wait, they're writing my jokes for me? Check your phone. All right, uh, this one's from Brendan in Tampa. Hey, Hydra Man, we're trying to make some fun here. Why such a a wet blanket? Wow, that's terrible. 
<laughs> and that's pretty much what his new job is. And other people are like, people are just having to tell him what to do. And it's like the audience poll. They want to see the web muck. There's an audience poll, and they want what? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it, it's Speed Demon, by the way. Oh, Speed Demon. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so he pretty much like yeah is, is done with all of them, and it's like you happy now over the moon. Now just say this criminal apprehension is brought to you by you undies, JJ. There's no way I'm gonna say. <laughs> and then a light pop- he's like there's no way I'm gonna fucking say this, and a little a little light pops up out of his like from his suit, and it's a a light display new undies or you undies. Oh my god, that's amazing. And he goes. Uh, you know, I had a supervillain who did this stuff once. I thought it was the end of civilization. And then it's like the editor's note. Spidey's referring to Screwball, of course, for, for way back in Spider-Man 559, who's also Screwball from the fucking video game I just fucking referenced, and there were the levels I hated the most. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the whole deal on, on Spidey's new suit. Um, and yeah, I guess other hilarity will ensue later. But it's ma- it basically has to do with Gog and the Life Fight tablet and this new suit that just Spidey's dick. I-, I fucking hate this new suit already. <laughs> <laughs> it, was- it was hilarious, but God damn it, I do not want that over and over. <laughs> nice. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, now we're going to talk about the ones we share. Yes. And we don't have a ton this week, but the ones we have are worth talking about Choice. oh and i sorry i do have a solo my bad i forgot oh yeah taskmaster 4 oh yeah Writ- written by jed mckay drawn by alessandro viti colored by guru and letter by joe carmagna i'm not gonna spend too much time on this because it's four or five so the next issue is gonna wrap it all up uh basically taskmaster has been having to copy the motions of three people around the world to unlock a vault and the first one was uh phil colson and he had to fight hyperion the second one was White White Fox? Yeah, White Fox, the, the South Korean hero. And then this last one was a Koye. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so, <laughs> How did that go? So he's, he's basically in a plane, and he's like, I've, the very first panel is, I've changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, that's about right. So, um, uh, he said, uh, basically, it's um, Fury being like, you're scared? He's like, of course, we're talking about Halo insertion into Wakanda, you maniac. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, you gotta do it. And he's like, fuck it. And he jumps, basically. And Fury's like, dude, this is your plan, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, he's going down, and um, he parachutes in, and he actually does a pretty good job. He, gave, he makes it into the Wakanda temple before he's jumped by um, the, the um, Darmalash. No, 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 no. The 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 more like um, cannon fodder guys. Uh, there's a word for them. I can't remember. Um, I'm looking for it right now because I know it's in here. Um, the Hatut Zaraz. Ooh, cool. Um, so they're the ones that wear wear like white panther suits. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So basically, he gets captured by them, and Okoye shows up. And he has to watch her move around, and she's not moving, you know? <laughs> so he's like, I claim asylum. <laughs> and she's like, what? And he's just basically like... Fucking douchebag. Yeah, he's basically like, I'm being pursued by an insane killer for a murder I didn't commit, which is true. Black Widow's hunting him. So <laughs> um, so he's like, 
I'll prove my worth. You know my reputation. Let me kill for you. Let me kill the enemies of Wakanda. And she's like, we have no need of American mercenaries. We've not forgotten your role in Hydra's Avengers, which is a Secret Empire reference. It's true. He's like, I didn't attack Wakanda. I attacked Atlantis. <laughs> He's like, does Wakanda now share te- shed tears for Atlantis? She's like, hardly. <laughs> like, I was like, uh, or ever. <laughs> really? There's so much hate there. And then he's like, your Hatut Zaraz are soft. I can make them Panthers. Ooh. And she's like, throw him in the dungeons. So they throw him <laughs> in the dungeons. And they took his mask, actually. And he has to keep his hood up to keep his face covered. Mm-hmm. And then one of the Hatut Mirage, or Zaraz dudes shows up. And he's like, on your feet, fool. You've insulted the Hatut Zaraz. <laughs> and he's just like... Oh, no. Uh, He's like, you like to talk, don't you, American? He's like, I can fight more than talk. So basically, they give him his mask back, and they go to a room, and okay, he's watching this, by the way. <laughs> okay, uh, they go to this room, and they, they try to fight him, and they're doing this awesome fight, and he's like, um, he, he actually you know breaks down the fight, which is really cool. He's like, they're loyal, well-trained, but ultimately, they're henchmen, and I know henchmen. <laughs> like, uh, damn. And he's like, they have vibranium mesh suit, which means you can't punch them, can't kick them. But you don't have to hit a guy to hurt him. And he just grabs the dude's punch and just breaks his breaks his arm right at the socket. Ooh. It's just brutal. Just, and then two other dudes try to jump out. And he's like, you dummy starting to understand who you're dealing with? And he just shatters a dude's ankle and then like chokes a dude out. Like He did it with all without like actually punching them, which was great. Jeez. And he's like... Uh, then they're all down, and he's like, I can kill them if you want. I don't know how you deal with failure here in Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> and then is like, I think you need to be taught a lesson. So she jumps down, and they have an awesome fight, and uh-huh. he gets her, you know, movement signature from it. Okay. And they have this really cool fight, and she has a spear, and he's like, well, that's not fair. Sorry, do, so, uh, does he call it anything? Like her signature move or anything? No, 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 it's okay. none of that in this one. Um, because it's literally just how she walks. Okay. Because the thing like reads them walking past, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's really great. Like he kicks her in the chest and knocks her over. And he's like, "You're magnificent, by the way." She's like, "Excuse me." He's like, "That kick should have shattered your sternum." Oh. I've seen, Bat- seen Batrock use it on Captain America one time and winded him. Which tells oh. me all you need to know. He said, "Like you're, like you said, or like I said, you're magnificent." But I overclocked my brain chemistry years ago. I got a motor cortex like a Hemi V8. You want to see what I can bring to Wakanda? I'll give you the grand tour. And then they just have this, just this brawl. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I'm going to send you this this picture just from this page because it's just... Yeah, amazing. let me see. But uh, it's just brutal. There we go. Yeah, they just do that for a couple pages. <laughs> like, basically... Um, and so, oh man, okay. And, and he's like, "Well, I already got what I need. It doesn't need to go on any longer." And he's like, "But I'm sure I am telling insane uncle first. <laughs> and then he actually trips her, takes the spear, and stabs it right next to her head. Ooh! So he beat her. Yeah. And he's like, "How's this for impressed?" She's like, "Put him back in the dungeons, basically." <laughs> he's like. It's like, did she sound impressed? Like he was kind of like, huh? And then she comes back later, and she's like, "I've decided what to do with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you back to the U.S. to the U.S. intelligence services. Basically, I'm, I'm sending you back to the criminal justice system of the U.S." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, you can't send me back." And he's like, "No, she's gonna kill me." And then like, they're all like, "Thank you." Put him in a plane. Like, thank you for this. And then 
He's like, no, 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 no. And then the door closes. He's like, is the door closed? And it's Fury. <laughs> Fury, God Fury damn it. Got so, and so um, they have everything they need to unlock the vault. They're going to go do it. But the last shot is Black Widow standing next to a large arsenal of weapons. Ooh, nice. So it's going to come down to the two of them. And I'm very excited. So. Yeah, it's going to be so Love cool. It. I didn't mean, mean to spend that much time on that book, but I loved it. No, so. that show's hilarious. <laughs> like, just, oh, just so good. All right, now we share the rest of our Marvels. Okay. And just because of how much we really love some books, we're actually starting with number ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, let's start with nonstop Spider-Man number one. Oh my god, it's been a long time coming, dude. So, we're going to run down the creative team uh, first, and I hate this book because creative team is like two-thirds of the way through. <laughs> It's so weird. Um, it took me forever. I was trying to look it up. So, okay. There we go. Uh, written by Joe Kelly. Yes. Penciled by Chris Bacalo. Hello, yes. I miss you, man. Like, I can't. Uh, uh, inked by Ta- Tim Townsend. Colored by Marcio Menes. And lettered by Travis Lanham. I said it to you. I I don't know how much I missed his art until I got it back. Oh. Like with Spider-Man. He's one of the best Spider-Man artists. Absolutely. Like, my favorite, like, mine and my buddy, like, Hakili's, like, our, our, pretty much our favorite Spider-Man story is a two-parter that he and Joe Kelly did a long fucking time ago, Family Business. It was, it was literally the first comic that actually made me laugh out loud. Like, a good, like, the way we're, we're laughing at right now. Before, before that moment, it was kind of like of a, hmm, or like, or just in my head. Just saying that was a joke. That was pretty good. But God damn it, family business. Joe Kelly just destroyed me with with the with that two parter, and and ever since then was what was that? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I've been screaming for an ongoing series with Joe Kelly and, and Chris Pachalo to just like give me what I want a good Spider Man story. Because yeah, this this Spider Man is, is some of the best stuff ever. Yeah. I will say the title "Nonstop Spider-Man" is very appropriate for this book. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's um, what's the word? Uh, kinetic. Yes, it's constantly going. I think that's the way and, he likes his Spider-Man because Family Business pretty much starts that way, just off the bat, hundred like at a fucking ten going. And at one point of the book, it's like the whole most of the book is like an internal monologue because his jaw's broken. And at one point, he literally has to like throw his head at an actual dumpster or his jaw at a dumpster so he can pop it back in place. And the internal monologue is: Whoever told you that the most painful thing is like something, like something, something, is a goddamn liar. <laughs> as he <laughs> as he does that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just nonstop, and it's dealing with a cool like story about a drug dealer or drugs that are being interrupted basically taking all of these like really smart kids which kind of reminded me a little bit of the black cat series we read because that was kind of like oh yeah you know, like a, a smart kid who had a good future dying mysteriously of drugs yeah too so that's kind of how it starts out but oh man just the art just it's so dynamic and i love it um and then i'm reading and it's really good and i'm really enjoying it and then I'm about two thirds of the way through, and it stops. And I'm like, "There's a lot of comic left." And then there's the Nick Lowe letter, and he's like, da, da, da. And "Then he's like, even he's nonstop." <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "In a few pages, you'll find a story that's going to tease the big bad of the series." Yes. And I'm like, "Oh." And then I turn the page, and 
I don't think this is Helmet Zemo, for the record. <laughs> I don't think it's the original Baron Zemo, because he's way too sassy. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it seems like Zemo is going to be the bad guy, which is a really interesting matchup. Yes. Uh, Zemo's basically taking out all the Hydra... Uh, basically, the, the Hydra bases that are just done. They're just stupid. Like, And it, he does it in this really sassy way. That I thought was really fun. Dude, that line fucking cracked me the fuck up. Nazi please. <laughs> Nazi please. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't make me laugh at the Nazi. Don't do that. <laughs> I was like, Damn it. And I like the um he asked them like what is uh like he kills a bunch of them and then he says, um what was it like? The guys are like, Oh, we no, we're with you and he's like, What does Hydra stand for? And they're like World domination through economic and political infiltration. <laughs> Supremacy of the Aryan race. I thought we were waiting for the return of an inhuman banished by the Kree. He's like, wow, just, I, I, I can't even. <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like, well, I just love the then, idiot in the back has his hand raised, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just guns them down and basically says he's going to New York next. Yeah, I'm all in. Dude, fuck I'm, yeah. I'm in. Let's do it. This is going to be great. <laughs> like this one, I I got the cover A, and I had to get the the Bachala wraparound cover with like all, all the enemies because it, it just looks awesome. I got the uh, I got a, I got a variant. Um, the Scotty Young one was cool. I almost got that one. Mm, I, I Scotty Young. I just there's certain Scotty Young covers I want. I just liked him like, like with all the Sinister Six like kind of hands popping up. Yeah, I got, um, it doesn't actually say in this. It's whatever the ninth one is. Because uh, so, they have the okay, name. Yeah, the... It's, I see it now. It's uh, the Ken Lashley one. Oh, okay. On the first page, the, the one with uh, the bright circle with the red background. Oh, okay, cool. I, I do like that yeah. Spidey. Yeah, so. But yeah, dude, totally great. If you guys are looking at again doing a Spider-Man story and not having to worry about too much to like, baggage <laughs> which spidey has a lot of baggage yeah especially right now. Review a comic it's like jesus <laughs> like so but yeah this is a great place to start with one of the best spider-man artists of all time and writers like fuck i just wanted a, yeah. a good ongoing with joe kelly and thank god we have this gotcha dude it's so good i'm excited like yeah i, I can't wait and non-stop spider-man it's really good i bet this would be a really good one for kids to start with too mm-hmm. if you have like a teenager you want to start reading comics oh totally yeah, that takes us to one of the comics I'm so excited about: um, Thor and Loki Double Trouble Number One. Uh, this is an all ages book. Let's just start there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Writer is Mariko Tamaki, lovely. Uh, artist is Gurhuri or Gurhuri Hero. Lettering by Ariana Mayer, and uh, I don't think it's a colorist. Yeah. Um, so this very much reminds me of like Power Pack art style. Uh huh. Very like kids, not not the most recent power pack, but like the usual power pack, and it's Thor and Loki, and it's a young adult or young child story with Thor and Loki, and it it's still it's goofy and fun while still pretty much maintaining their characters, mm-hmm. and it's all about like it opens up with how Thor is super popular and everybody loves him and no one likes Loki. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just say Loki's design is absolutely great. For a kid, Loki, yeah, just adorable, and so uh, they're basically it's basically about their their young years, which is great 
you know, having watched Thor Ragnarok, and you know them finding out about their relationship, and like you know the whole the great line when Thor is like, you know, like I worshipped you, Loki, like like I loved you, like I looked up to you so much, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just kind of fun to see this, and it's very much like a kid's story with the two of them, and Loki just being the god of mischief and. I really, really loved, um, like, how... So, basically, the story is he challenges Thor to steal a horn from Odin's vault. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? And, he's, and Loki's like, are you scared? He's like, I'm not scared. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best part about it is, and this is, I think, the thing that people miss about Loki a lot, is Thor gets the horn, and then Loki rats him out while he's doing it. <laughs> Which Loki wanted him to succeed, but Loki's the god of mischief and he just can't resist. <laughs> like, and I absolutely love that. He's like, I just have to mess with him. And so Thor manages to escape. Uh, Loki blows the horn and it summons a giant serpent. And I'll read the exact wording. <laughs> Great galaxies, is it the Midgard serpent? And Loki says, I think it's his sister, Mildred. <laughs> Excellent. Love it. And then basically it's going to be the two of them fighting the, the serpent together. Yeah. This is great. No, it, it's awesome. Uh, I, I really like it. Yeah, because it's very YA, very kitty. But like, it's like, it's kind of like in the movies, like the, those moments where they kind of re- do a kind of a callback. And it's like, when Loki's like, hey, brother, remember that one time where we, where we did, where we, where we rated this and everything was good. And then Thor goes like, I seem to remember you betraying me and you sent me in on this one fucked up part that yeah. that's this kind of re- retelling of those tales it's very kitty but it's kind of like exactly how you would think it would play out when they kind of recall those scenarios yeah like the the snake story from ragnarok <laughs> yes where he's like he turned himself to a snake and he knows i love snakes so i picked it up and he's like ah oh, it's me and then he stabbed me <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah i'm like i love it dude like it's just fun it is like i need a fun marvel book every once in a while so yeah I absolutely recommend it. that very much is true and very much, if you ha- again, if you have a kid you want to get into comics, this is such a great book to start with. Oh, totally. Especially if they've watched, you know, the Avengers movies and stuff. So, all right. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Eternals three. Ooh, nice. Um, written by Karen Gillan, drawn by Asad Rivik, colored by Matt Wilson, lettered and designed by Clayton Cowles. Um, I want to know what you thought of this issue because. For me, uh, again, with this book, we come from a different angles with this because I'm a big Eternals fan. Yes. And you have little experience with Eternals. I personally feel this issue turned a corner to really clicking. Whereas yeah. I really liked the last two issues. This one, I was like, okay, we're we're on the track now. We're not just introducing characters at this point. We're on. The, we're telling the plot. We're you telling the I mean? plot. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like kind of doing both at the same time where at this point it's like we're focusing on different characters every issue uh but yeah we're, we are starting to focus on the plot while we're still moving on to like the next set of characters that we should kind of talk about uh like exactly. like in this issue i fucking love that i was just like so like woman focused on, on like cersei yeah. and uh Athena. Athena. that's right so yeah just kind of getting like their backs right because again for this part like i guess for this book I am mostly kind of following along or at least like just accepting what I'm being told instead of like comparing what happened to before, you know, like at least like it's not, it's not that fresh in my mind. Uh, but still it's like, 
shit, it's just very intense because like it's still kind of like it's not just retelling you what you already know too. I, I, it seems like it's just also shedding a new light on these characters or like making you like uh, find them out. Yeah, or seeing seeing them under a new light or like something that you didn't think about them before, especially with Thena. Like everything was kind of focused on Thena and kind of like how yeah how she used to be before and like the shit that she had to learn through love because she was like she's like the most like she accepts everybody through love or she's more open to love meanwhile like yeah and then by but the other side of that coin was cersei who is just nothing but closed off yeah the the issue with being an eternal is is you live forever but that also means you don't really change Mm -hmm. and so thena continues to make the same mistakes over and over right you know, and which is really interesting and fun, like really great to read about. I love Thena, and so it was really great to see this. Um, also, it gives you a really great idea of the deviants, mm-hmm. which we really didn't see much in the first two issues, which are the the mortal enemies of the Eternals. Whereas the Eternals, there's only a few of them. The deviants breed like rabbits. Okay. So I love the part where she's uh, basically to let you guys know, Thena. Thena loves deviants. For one reason or another, she she falls in love with deviants, so she's living in the deviant city of Lemuria, and I love the info page where it's like you know Lemuria, capital city of the deviants, ancestral foe of the Eternals, initial population one hundred, current population accessing deviant database, yeah. and the next double page spread is just all the names in the world, and then it says page seven of ten thousand four hundred and sixteen. It's crazy. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, that's such a great way to do that. Also, some of the names are great. Like Zakdar Bubbletoe, that one jumped out <laughs> at me. Like and Karg Maxi Tiger Winter, like it's nice. just since time. Someone's named Zoo Monkey, which is just awesome. Um, but yeah, basically, it's really cool, and I think it's very clever of them to do it as a murder mystery. Is how you introduce your characters because you're going to have to talk to all the suspects. So it's a way to meet them one by one and make it feel natural. Yeah. So this is Thena and more more Cersei than we got last issue. Um, and then in the end, it kind of teases us, hey, we're going to be going, we're going to be talking to, um, uh, to, uh, blah, 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 blah. God, what's his name? I'm on a blank. Druig? Uh, yeah, Druig. Yeah. It seems like Druig is going to be the next one that we talk to. So, yeah. Uh, so that's really cool. And then, yeah, the, all the Cersei and Thena interaction, that's some of the best eternal shit. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen Makari yet. He's their version of, of Quicksilver. He's, he's a speedster. Oh, okay. I love him. So he's great. Also, as a side story, it was Icarus with the mortals. <laughs> and I love Icarus interacting with mortals so much. I was, that was like the dumbest sideline. Like, 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 ha, we need to make this issue about most. Like, let, let, let's, we need to talk about Thena and Cersei at this point. But the main story, the, the main book about it was about Icarus. What, what should we have him do? <laughs> Just watch over this one random dude. Yeah. It's just great. And like, he's just like talking to them and he's so deadpan. (laughs) And it's just so funny watching him interact with normal people. Like, I just love him. Like, he's just great. I love it, Chris. So, but yeah, I think this, uh, this is my favorite issue so far of the the series. Yeah. Even though I, again, I can, I'm I'm mostly following along, uh, but no, it was, it was, it was cool getting like the backdrop, especially, especially on these women. Yeah. And I really like the the info pages. It's very Hickman. Yeah. And keeping us up with what's going on, but it doesn't look like Hickman's at all. It's got its own style, obviously. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Can't wait for the movie still. Please hurry. I know, so. right? All right. So, next, we're going to talk about Daredevil. 
Ooh. Yeah. Um, Daredevil number 28. Written by the wonderful Chip Zarsky. Uh, drawn by Marco Cicchetto. Colored by Marcio Meniz. And lettered by Clayton Cowles. Now, this takes place after King and Black. Yeah, it was a two-parter, but it still kind of kind of ties in. It's mostly kind of an aftermath of that. The thing is, King of Black's not over yet. I know, I know. There's so many books that are kind of like still kind of like don't know what they're how to talk, what they want to talk about yet or reference. Yeah, so I think they did a good job of. Obviously, the Earth wasn't destroyed by Null. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, but they did a good job of not telling us too many details about what happened. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. One thing I absolutely love about this book is. This issue, we're dealing with three characters. Yes. And we cycle between them in such a natural flow mm-hmm. that it's just, it's almost flawless. It's its done so well. It's almost like a TV show. Like, and those three characters are Elektra, Kingpin, and Daredevil. <laughs> and Kingpin has become one of the best characters in Marvel through Zardsky's run. Yes, absolutely. Him at Typhoid Mary's bedside? Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, I was genuinely like, oh my gosh. You know, like, this is genuinely emotional. I was kind of taken back. And Even like the moment where it's just like, we've, I've seen it so many times in like on screen where, where he's like, you're not, and he reaches over. But he doesn't pat her down. It's like, but he still says like alone. He's he's still talking to her. But he, he takes his hand back and he's just like, oh god, like you kind-hearted bastard. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so good. And they go back and forth between them. And the best part is, is it's it's they're all personal stories. There's only one fight, and it's very brief. Mm-hmm. And it's just it it's each of them interacting with another character. So Kingpin with Typhoid Mary, Electra with the girl that she rescued. And Matt with uh, two well, two different inmates yeah. and a psychiatrist, but um, but predominantly it's the story of him and the one inmate. Um, and so it's just cool how they all have like a character that are all you know associated with and kind of how they're dealing with the aftermath of Noel, like and just really interesting and you know oh, it's just I don't know like Electra's like. Like, Electra tells the girl, when you're done being angry, meet me in the gym. I'm like, is she going to train her? I fucking hope so. To be a hero? <laughs> I mean, like even that. if it's not so much as a hero, but it's at the very least, like, she needs to learn how to defend <laughs> herself. Yeah. So, I just, this is a great issue. It was a great, It like I said, uh, if I had to sum it up easily, it's a great issue coming out of a crossover without spoiling the crossover. That that's true. God's goddamn, does Marvel love to spoil shit off of a uh, off of a different issue? Yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Anything else you want to add about it? Uh, no, I mean it was it was just yeah, very emotional. Like yeah, not action. Like the one fight. It's a Daredevil title, but I'm closing the book saying, "Holy shit, this Daredevil run is is going to go down as one of the best Daredevil runs in history." Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's gonna go down. It already is, but it's gonna go down as one of the classics, like up there with like the Brewbakers and the Bendis's runs. Frank Miller, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Pick it up. Continue to pick it up. Guys. Yes, absolutely. 
probably getting nominated for a third year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, Strange Academy. Yes. Number nine. Uh, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Humberto Ramos, colored by Edgar, Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So um, with a lot of Strange Academy issues, we've been focusing on specific characters to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's Calvin. And we get to find out about Calvin's coat and his powers. And I really like him. He's great. Um, and he's, I'm so curious to see where he's going. Like, it's so cool. They keep telling us about characters. And then we're like, oh, they're going to have a cool arc. And then they do another character. And you're like, I need some conclusions, guys. <laughs> There's too many hanging threads out there. But this is also Parents' Day. Yes. And so everybody's parents that have parents that are able to be there show up. <laughs> um, I, I love that. Um, I love Gus. I wish Gus's parents were there. Um, that would have been great because like having them there would have been funny. Um, Emily's parents show up. And Emily's mother is incredibly competitive. That will come into play. In <laughs> Obviously, Doyle's father doesn't show up because he's the dread door mama. Yep. <laughs> And Calvin is a orphan, so he doesn't have parents. So they kind of hang out the entire issue. I feel bad about the twins. Uh, the twins, yeah. So, do we know who their parents are? Um, they don't really outright say it. It's Amara, right? It's the Enchantress. Oh god, that's so obvious now. Yeah, uh, duh. <laughs> like, and I'm just trying to think of who the dad would. Have I mean, been. Or, or for the fact that that Loki would be the substitute. Loki of all people to be like. Fuck fucking Parents' Day, like fuck that shit. But to be there for these two boys, yeah, I totally buy that. It's Enchantress Kids. Well, he's also the magic user of you know Norse mythology, so I feel like, but he'd he'd want like he would not care to go to Parent Day unless it was somebody close. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think we've been told. I don't think we've been told, but I'm I'm willing I, I'm willing to buy that that guess. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Their mother is Gudrun, and their father is Broor. Oh, duh. Their last name is Brorson. Duh. I forgot. Like, so Broor would be their dad. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Oh shit. Okay. So not major characters. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Anyways, um. So, yeah, the twins, they get to hang out with Loki. And uh, so Strange is just like, hey, we're going to have some competitions, friendly competitions. And there's a scavenger hunt. And Emily's mom's like, oh, I'm not that competitive. Be fine. And then she gets ugly competitive. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great. Meanwhile, Doyle and Calvin are exploring a storage cabinet and should not be. (laughs) Um. I love that. So basically, they get attacked by the mindless ones because the mindless ones remember what Dormammu did to them, mm-hmm. and so they th- think Doyle's Dormammu, and they're, they're getting attacked. Meanwhile, the competition's still going on, and this lady is shouting in Loki's face, basically, <laughs> which I really loved. And then there's like a foot race, and it's over an obstacle course, and there's like fucking lava and shit. And she's like, "Let's just do this. Let's do this shit." Basically, like it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, again, it's such a charming, fun book. And 
I don't know a Marvel book that's doing character work for new characters as well as Strange Academy. Yeah, like as a whole, like the whole cast is, is pretty much new. Like the side characters are is, is what you know. Yeah, so good. And then, uh, like Loki loses the race. He he falls down for a reason, which we'll get into. <laughs> uh, um, and so Emily's mother wins the race, and she's like, "Ah, sorry, Loki, you fell down. Ah, we win." She's doing the dance and shit. <laughs> and uh, Emily's like, "Oh, there's Doyle," and she introduces Doyle to her parents. And Doyle blushes immediately. <laughs> so cute. And the dad's like, "It's great to finally meet you, Doyle." Emily has told us so much about you. And he's like, uh, it's so cute. And then it ends in like a cool optimistic way. They're like, what about one more race? And they're like doing it. It's great. Um, then we get to the obligatory Strange Academy info page, <laughs> which is great. Parents Day race results. And you see that Loki, according to the stats, beat them by point zero 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 one seconds. <laughs> and there's a post-it. Something's up with Loki's time. Voodoo, please review. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. And then there's a damage report of the storage facility they broke into and everything they damaged. So, just fun, dude. Yeah. Like, such a. It's one of my favorite Marvel books. It's top three. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, have to, I mean, I'll have to think about it, but I. It would have to be up there as well. Yeah. It's up with. Basically, it's on par with every X Men book except for one we're going to talk about in a moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, uh, just my my two cents on this uh, on this book is uh, I just really love the moment where uh, Zoe is introducing her parents to to Desi's parents, and there's a moment where it's just like, oh, they're 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 so going to get together. Yeah, because it's like I think she's like, oh, because the dad slips up. I was like, oh, Zoe, she's the one that you have a crush. Dad, like, was like, oh, sorry, Desi. I mean, I mean you. And he's like, that's okay, Zoe. In fact, it is very okay. He's like, ah, oh, you fucking cute little bitches. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that up. So, all right. That leaves us the two books. We have two X books this week. Yes. And I'm going to break, I'm going to break my rule. <laughs> we're going to start with X Factor. Ooh, okay. X Factor number eight. Uh, for those who don't know, this is probably my favorite Marvel book. It's got to be up there with Hostway as well. I mean, yeah, for sure. So, written by the incredibly talented Leah Williams. Yep. Drawn by the wonderful David Baldion. Yep. Colored by Israel Silva and lettered by Joe Caramagna. So, we're dealing with the second part of the Morgan haunting of their headquarters, the Boneyard. And we're also dealing with a bunch of side stories, including Prodigy trying to figure out what the fuck, why, why is, you know, the information about me dying, like, wrong, and trying to figure out what's going on there. And while this is all going on, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I, Dokken is the most attractive comic book character that's ever been drawn. <laughs> I don't, I don't even care anymore. Like, it's just, he's just so hot, dude. Like, <laughs> like I just, God damn it. And he's always shirtless. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, that does so, help. So, yeah, basically, we know something's going on. And we kind of got a, um, a future look with a cliffhanger last time, where basically everybody's dead except for Prodigy and iBoy. And apparently Dockett. Uh, so, Basically, the Morgan is killing everybody, and 
they need to get out so they can actually, you know, remember what happened, get everybody resurrected, and, um, you know, get get it taken care of properly. And so, Dokken, being the fucking baddest, most badass character, basically stays behind and is like, I'll hold her off, you guys get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see iBoy gets a significant power upgrade. Do. Which will come up come into play later. Like also I love if you see that full page spread with him surrounded by all the circles. Yeah. He has eyeballs on his slippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. Um But yeah, so Dawkins stays behind to to basically cover their retreat. They're able to get away. X Factor is resurrected. And uh like uh it's funny because Xavier is like, all right, well in the event X Factor should require any hypothetical assistance, even simply for the Boneyard's current zombie situation. North Star's like, the what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you guys should have a talk. Basically the 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 Boneyard, she rest all the all the dead bodies they were letting rot to be zombies. Yeah. Yeah. And so but now they're prepared, so they work as a team, and we get this really cool team up stuff with things happening. Um Including Aurora taking out the the zombified Dokken, which is pretty cool. Oh just, yeah, I know, right? Stomping his head off, <laughs> like she's so hardcore, dude. But we see Rachel and Polaris basically work together to to take care of it, and um, they are able to eradicate the threat. And we have Siren there being like, "It's already coming back," and that's when Northstar says, "Now tell us about the new bargain you struck with the Morgan." Love it. Love it. This is so good. Why is this the second book that ends with a to be concluded stamp? It's it's the arc, I think. Okay, it better be, because like, they don't deal with ev- all the arcs. I, I, I honestly, I've not heard anything about this book ending. I know, me neither. We're just like, don't just play with my, don't play with words like that. And, and honestly, I follow the entire creative team on Twitter, and they're all very open with stuff. So yeah. I'm pretty sure. We're and also, it, like, so. to end it on nine is like, it doesn't make any sense either, but it's like, uh don't it's use too great of a book. Don't use that word. <laughs> There's no way they're gonna do it, dude. So, um, also a highlight is the info page. Yes, which is just one of my favorite info pages yet. Where it's Xavier emailing Jean Paul and says, "Firstly, we congratulate you and your X Factor compatriots on a successful dehaunting of the Boneyard. I roll. We knew, <laughs> we knew you were capable and eagerly await an update on your handling of saving Siren from the Morgan. Secondly." It's been brought to the Quiet Council's attention that there have been some very interesting developments regarding Trevor's mutation. Please keep us apprised of this young man's extraordinary site development. All the best, Charles. And the reply from Northstar just says, no. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, dude. So So, uh, what did did he develop for his his eyesight? It's just, he's way finely tuned. He's seen seen particles. Okay, okay, cool, yeah. Like he was, just, it's just really, really. And Prodigy was kind of taken back when he when he copied the power. That's right. So, that's right. When he wanted to get closer to him, so you can actually like see it, see it yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love that book. It's 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 incredible. I'll sing its praises all day long. All fucking day long. Yeah. But I did save something unique for last. Wow. Yeah. Children of the Atom number one. <laughs> Now, I got a pretty variant cover. Oh, really? I dropped 
some money on a variant cover. <laughs> oh, shit. I got the one that looks just like the normal cover. Yeah. Except it's the actual X-Men they're based on on the cover, not the kids. Oh, what? I gotta see that cover. I'll send it to you right now. Um, it's the exact same cover. Yeah. Except the actual X-Men are on the cover instead of the kids. That so. is so sick. I can't wait to see it. I saw it, and I was like, I'm buying it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let me let me take another one. That one's all blurry. Um, okay, it's on the way. Uh, so I did drop some money. Now, the cool thing is, the, according to the barcode, this isn't a variant, so it's a hidden variant. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. So, for a long time, ever since Children of the Atom was announced, we were like, what the fuck is Children of the Atom? <laughs> yeah. What is this going to be? Who are these children? Why do they look like the X-Men? <laughs> and we had some wild speculation for this shit. Yeah. Including their mutants that were made creating, made to combine powers, or their children of the vault, <laughs> and all kinds of shit. So, written by Vida Ayala, drawn by Bernard Chang, colored by Marcel Maiolo, and lettered by Travis Lanham. We meet five new heroes. Cherub, Marvel Guy, Cyclops Lass, Gimmick, and Daycrawler. <laughs> um, and they all kind of look like X-Men that we know. Yeah. And it opens up in a very like young hero kind of way where they're taking out like an old villain to kind of prove themselves. I mean, everybody's done it. Young Avengers did it. Oh, Runaways yeah. do it. You know, that's just how you introduce them. And they do it. And it's really cool. And uh, by the way, they took out the Hell's Bells in case anyone cares. Um, so then they're confronted by three X-Men. And it's Pixie, Magma, and Maggot. And I love Maggot. <laughs> I have a real weakness for Maggot because he was a member of Gen X for like two issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's wonderful. So, And basically they're like, hey, you want to join Krakoa? And they're like, eh, I think we're good. Like, I think we're going to chill here. And, you know, like, and so they're like, well, if you're ready, you know, you can always come home, basically. And then, um, like, the cops show, show up and they're like, you know, follow us through the portal, and they turn around, and they had all teleported away, basically. They're avoiding them for some reason. Um, the X-Men have a debate as to what they should do about it. You know, and like, should they approach them? Like, they can't just kidnap them. You know, that yeah. makes sense. And Storm wins the debate, and she's basically like, I will, um, I'll go talk to them. And then there's, again, so... I imagine in the wall of me and Hostway's fandom, or in the room of me and Hostway's fandom, there's a wall that looks like the crazy wall that people have for conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the design of the X-Men polyamory chain. <laughs> and, and I think Storm and Jean Grey got added to the list now. <laughs> like, where she's like, one more game? She's like, only if we're on the same side. Yes. Always. I'm like... That's some gay ass shit. I love it. So, <laughs> I just imagine us pinning the string between the two of them now. Like, no, it makes sense. <laughs> well, they're definitely fucking. <laughs> so, like, uh, and then we actually cut to the new characters in school, and um, I like the character development. It gives me vibes of a lot of young hero books. Oh, it, it totally and, gave me like Bendis vibes, like in, a, in his prime. <laughs> and I really, I really like young hero books. Yeah, obviously. 
Uh, New X-Men is one of my favorites, obviously. I love Runaways, Young Avengers. I read them all. Even Avengers Academy. Um, I love all those. So uh, this this was all good for me. I really enjoyed this. I will say my early favorite character is Cyclops Lass. Um, not only do I really, really like the character design, I like the character herself. She's yeah, no, for sure. I mean, but especially, I mean, I'm wondering if it's because it's like, I don't want to say overly word, like wordy of a book because it is like the first the first uh, entry to, uh, for, for this uh, event, if you will. I'm wondering if like the next issue will focus on a different uh, different X Men of these of these kids. Yeah, like get, get that internal monologue as we kind of like go through the characters. But but we, if we keep it with her, um, with what is it, Buddy? <laughs> um, yeah. it'd be really cool because like, yeah. I do I do really like her as well, and she is like yeah. the leader as well. So. I am drawn to her. I think we will experience the other characters, but I was drawn to her. So basically, it looks like in the end, they're like, you know what? Maybe we do need to go to Krakoa. You know, like maybe that needs to happen. Yeah. And so they go pack. She leaves a message for her dad. They go, they find the Krakoa gate. They change their costume and they walk through the gate. And nothing happens. And they walked into the gate. They're just on the other side of the gate now. Yeah. Hosway. Are they not mutants? I don't know. Like, they never ever actually indicate that they have the powers. It's like, are they just gadgets? They, there's like, again, like, we just have Buddy's, like, monologue of, like, feeling different, wanting to be different. Uh... I don't know. Just seeing Daycrawler on his knees in the water was just like pretty brutal, especially especially like when we when, what we know now back with like with Pixie is like, oh, just come with us, and they're just like making every other excuse, almost like yeah. they didn't want to. But we still also just had read the internal monologue of like we're the X Men, and then to just get that ending of like, no, let's fucking do it. It sucks that we're leaving our parents, but let's fucking do it, guys, and then to just literally just go through the gate i i don't know and it's like but then we have the title card the children of the atom like why what does it mean yeah i'm uh it's and if they're not mutants the why are they why the fuck are reading this <laughs> like what's what storm gonna do because storm's, yeah. not, storm's not the type of mutant to be like oh well you're on your own then right no for sure so, uh, I'm intrigued. Very, very, intrigued. very much so. Yeah, and I, I already like all the characters. I think uh, there's a couple we uh, didn't get quite enough of. Uh, yeah. Daycrawler comes to mind. Uh, Marvel, what was it? Marvel Guy? Marvel Guy. Those two I could use a little bit more for. Mm-hmm. But the other three, I think we got it quite a bit. Yeah, no, for and, sure. And I enjoy it, and I'm really curious to see how this ties into everything. Especially with the Hellfire Gala coming up. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. So. What are these (laughs) Xbox? I know, man. There's so many of them, but they're all so good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Anything else about Children of the Atom before we wrap? Uh, Yeah, not not for Children of the Atom. I'm just like, I'm very much intrigued. Like, what does it mean? It's like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. Like, this this book sure came out, what, like, Last year, I think uh, um, Katie from Books and Pictures was telling us that there used to be like an actual like 
there was a, there was a first iteration of Children of the Atom. It actually got printed. It didn't get released, obviously, because then people, shit got recalled and COVID happened, and then we had that comic freeze that, that sucked. Uh, but there was supposed to be a first iteration of Children of the Atom. Children of the Atom that was done so much so that even like in the 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 back scheduling um, with like the, yeah, the the scheduling of like the the next th- couple of weeks for the books, you know how sometimes like s- some of them have been labeled red. Uh, the original Children of the Atom was labeled red, and then it got recalled, um, and now it's not. So it's like whatever those red tabs mean, this one used to be part of that, and now it's not. So it's kind of like there's just so much mystery right now in the House of X. Yeah, I just I need to know. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but it's good they have me. Yeah. I'm buying. Oh, it. absolutely. <laughs> so um, that is the issues that we picked up this week. Josue, anything else? Anything we missed, or anything you want to close with? Um, those were the issues that we read. Uh, just throw, throwing out a couple of issues that I didn't call out, uh, just because I didn't read them, or also more just more of a collector's items. Um, Immortal Hulk number 44. I am getting it because I, I, I do want to be there for the ending and I'm waiting for the hardcovers to come out. Uh, I did get the variant to Spectre Inspector number two. I didn't shout that out. Uh, it was just really cute. And then also when I went to the next door, I wasn't sure if I got if I had gotten the variant to two or one. So that's why I was like, oh, well, I'll just get cover A instead. <laughs> so that's why I have oh. two of those. And then uh, my big find of the week was um, the Virgin variant to Mighty Morphin number five. And it's just, God, it's, oof, my, my little boy nerd is just like, just was raving when I fucking saw this at the store. It was, it's the fucking white, the white tiger sword in the back, the dragon sword in the middle and the thunder mega sword, like just like up in center, like up in the front. And it's just like all the best swords. It's super awesome. Nice. Oh, and last thing I, I did get the, the second volume to Sarah and the, and the Royal stars by vault. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. So. I do need to get back on my vault books. Yeah, I have several graphic novels, all my Kickstarter stuff I need to review. That's right. I've not had time, so. <laughs> all right, well, guys, that's everything. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, you can always check us out at on Twitter at WHI Podcast. Uh, Keith is WHI Podcast Keith. Liz is WHI Podcast Liz. Hostway is at Hostway Reads Hostway. So check us out there. We always talk about the new epi- or episodes that come up. We give you a complete listing of every book that we talk about. So you can uh, quickly scan it and see if it's something you want to hear. Uh, it should always be something you want to hear, for the record. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>